everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 159th episode of the podcast, airing July 20th, 2023. Now, in this episode, I am pleased to welcome back special guest Spencer Michaud to join me on the program to chat all about Leo season 2023. Now, Spencer and I do an in-depth treatment of this lit-up period that doesn't have a lot of aspects, but still packs a planetary punch. We start out with an overview of Leo and its relation to the Taurus squares that we'll perform, and how that could place emphasis on environmental awareness, with the big question of, what can we do as individuals to nurture the planet so all flora and fauna can thrive? Next, we go step-by-step through the transits, tackling the nodal shift, Venus retrograde, the lunations, and the eventual lead up to an almost stationed Mercury. It's gonna be a hot one. Are you ready to walk through the fire? Now to follow along with the charts as we step through, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, of course, if you'd like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation, you can leave a tip in my tip jar, and you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind. And so The Heavenly Wind goes out at the beginning of each month and is packed full of goodies to keep you in the astro know uh, and also give you some tarot cards and an animal ambassador to work with as well. So, all right, who is ready to hear all about Leo season 2023? Here we go. Now, let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Energetic Principles Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest returning to the program. We have Spencer Michaud with us here today. Thanks for joining me again, Spencer. Hey, thanks, Mel. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. So if you are a uh, longtime listener of the podcast or have watched before, Spencer has joined me on uh, a couple of occasions for various season forecasts for uh, uh, Mars. I think we did Mars retrograde. Uh, yeah, with Shu. Yeah, right? um, we did a we've done a myriad of programs together, and I've been over on Spencer's program as well. So uh, you know, we're just two Cancer crabs. <laughs> Just ready just to tell you birthdays. about Leo season. <laughs> yeah, we just had our birthdays, right? We did. We just yeah. had our birthdays um, less than a week ago. And so we, we we spent like 40 minutes here before <laughs> getting started, you know, doing our, doing our, how you doing? How's everything going? How'd the birthday go? You know, all that. Yeah, which oh. which I affectionately dubbed the uh, the Cancerian handshake. You know, we have That's to get right. the life the life update first before we right. settle in with comfort with each other, right? You know, it's uh, it's what we do because you know what we care. That's right. We do care. We do. We want to know how your life is going. We care. We honestly care. Um, Yeah. So Spencer is back here today. We're going to be talking all about Leo season 2023. Uh, There it's funny because the transits, there's not like, there's not a lot going on as far as, um, you know, quantity, but right. the quality of transits yeah. <laughs> are very, um, some big ones. Some big ones. Yes. Yes. So before we get started here, for those who are not familiar with Spencer or his work, you know, Spencer, share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. I'm a professional astrologer, um, from Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is Southeast Michigan, just a few, few miles outside of Ann Arbor where the university of Michigan is. Um, 
I'm a, I was a graduate of the nightlight astrology programs and all of that stuff with our friend Adam Ellenboss. And um, I've started really taking an interest in the decans and, and associating um, or combining tarot and astrology. So I talk a lot about how the specific 10 degree sections of a sign will affect the energy of the season. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Spencer Michelle Astrology, where I do weekly live streams on the, the new and full moons and the monthly astrology. And I've had guests in the past as well. And those are a lot of fun. So you can find me there on YouTube. Um, also, I have a website, spencermichelle.com, where I list all my things and all of those social medias, and <laughs> whatever it is. All Instead the social of, medias. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, yeah, a professional astrologer, Midwest of the United States. And uh, been doing a lot of gardening lately. So those are the, <laughs> those are the things that have been going on. Yeah, we were uh, we were um, coming together with our our need for embodiment and yeah. getting away from the intellectual brain. That um, if you have any Gemini planets, like both Spencer and I do, you know, it's yeah. it's hard to get away from that sometimes. Um, but we have Earth moons, though. We're Earthy moon people, right? Yeah, so we need it. We need, we need the earth. We need the dirt. We need the, you know, the, the gravitas, the gravitas. <laughs> I need to be weighted down yeah, by my right. mortal reality. I, it's part of yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, but you're right though. It's, it's, it's a, a shift hopefully towards embodiment, you know, like being able to feel like we have a balance between the, the, the heart and the mind and the body and, and really engaging, re-engaging with a somatic experience. And as lunar children, like we are, like we, we have to pay attention to our body and, and the messages that it's giving us. I, there's one thing that was interesting that I wanted to share is that um, in this book that I really love, The Flowering Wand by Sophie Strand, they talk about the high priestess and the moon. And the relationship to inner knowing and intuition. And instead of thinking about it as just something that just arises out of nowhere, she was making the point about intuition is in the moon is like an interaction with your environment. So a lot of the knowing that we have as lunar people is a, that intuition comes from just our sensory experience and being able to pay attention to those messages that our bodies are giving us that aren't always rational, that aren't always conscious and so I think that's maybe that's what we're trying to embody and embrace. Well, and why, and I know it's not just me, but this is one of my processes is like how I get to the, the, you know, the nuggets of intuition that live in this Cancerian is a lot of times through activity that is body related, right? When I'm out taking a walk or I'm washing the dishes or, you know, I I've got my hands busy with something, right? Because I'm, right. I'm not trying to intellectually force anything. It's more of, as I keep myself physical and connected to my vessel, it's like it creates an open space for things to rise up within um, that aren't, you know, you know, I think, think about intellect and air and we think about air and fire, both being sort of this outward sort of energy that we like push towards and the intellect we're kind of trying to push towards. But if we know anything about intuition, it's a very much a receiving quality um, and where we get to kind of that, watery earth, you know, connection. So I think emb embodiment is a big part of it. At least my like major downloads have always been sort of when I'm in my body and there's space for that to come in. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. So how does that fit into Leo season? Because we're talking about the sun. Yeah. <laughs> we're no, talking I, about, yeah. I think it does. I think it does. I think that, you know, if we just take like a big picture look at all of this, the transition from cancer to Leo season to me is really interesting. Mm. You know, if you see the last 10 degree section of cancer, there is a card associated with that, the four of cups. And really when we get to the end of cancer season, it's like, we've been, we've satiated the bodily desires. We've had enough. We've, we've gotten all that we need, we've got enough food and it's, we've got enough sustenance. And then, and then we're kind of like sitting under a tree with our hands full of like, what's next? What else is there? You know, like it's this full feeling when we transition to Leo, I think that that transition from the moon and that somatic experience is in traditional astrology. They think of the sun as like a, the, the, the dime, the daimonic spirit, the, the light of the mind, the, the or, organ of mental perception or intellectual perception. So I really think it's a shift to finding meaning that is conscious and being able to say, okay, I've got my bodily needs met. How do I transition into something that is fueling that body with passion, with intellectual fire and things of that? So maybe we'll start to feel slightly less like we want to be embodied all the time and just like, oh, let's do some more thinking. <laughs> but I don't know. I think, uh, I think just living in the now, I mean, I feel like that's a big totally. part of fire is like being right. in the moment. Well, and I think that our birthy conversation is important because there's, there's part of the challenge of this Leo season is we do have both Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus. And they're going to be making a lot of squares to the Leo planets as they successively move through Leo. So we may have to, you know, have the challenge of like fire versus earth type of experience. And how do we balance those things out and work with those squares, right? How do you yeah. work with those squares? What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, I do work with those squares. I work with a lot of squares. Um, the thing with, you know, thinking about Leo and um, Taurus both is as opposed to say Leo and, uh, Scorpio, right? Because that's a more contentious square because elementally speaking, there is no, there's no matchup there. But when we're right. thinking about Taurus and Leo together, there, they, they, there's a dry component with both of them, right? So there is some, uh, you know, symbiosis kind of going on where I feel like it could be a more productive square, um, than maybe the, the tension and the steam that can come out of the, the Scorpio energy, um, on that side. So, but it's still a square, you know, and squares can be tense, but they can just be, they can be really activating in very right. positive ways that can help us, you know, get, get the ball rolling towards our passions or our desires and how that is actually embodied. Right. You know, because we yeah. can have all the passion and desire that we could possibly want in our heart, but if we're not living it in real time, in manifestation, then we actually are kind of in the four of cups zone, right? Because the right. four of cups in that kind of like indifference or complacency that comes with all the comforts that we get. Cause I love that analogy that you were bringing up about thinking about that move from cancer to Leo. Cause then it puts us into the, the decan of the five of wands, right. which is, um, you know, uh, in like the Toth, uh, tradition, this idea of, uh, strife, which mm -hmm. strife can be stressful, strife can be pressurizing, but strife is also right. striving. You know, yeah. you're not just sitting back and like, 
okay, well, look at all this cake and nice things around me, but you're like, now I feel the tension. I feel the life. I feel the competition. I feel like, you know, something's changing and shifting with, in me, like with my ambitions and my goals, and I'm ready to strive towards what I want to achieve. Yeah. I mean, that, that Lord of Strife title is apropos, right? Cause we, you know, that's a Saturn ruled Deccan. So that, that first 10 degree section of Leo is they each have their own planetary ruler and Saturn rules that. So think about, I like Susie Chang's work on this, where she talks mm. about the pressure cooker in her 36, yeah. uh, what is it? Oh man. Uh, 36 secrets. secrets. 36 secrets. And, and not faces. Keep, I know. I always, I always <laughs> am careful because I'm always getting them mixed up with Austin topics. Mm, but, what was yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so she talks a lot about the, the pressure to be visible, the pressure to perform. Mm. So I think when we're starting Leo season, we may feel this, uh, this pressure to, to be able to learn how to utilize attention, to utilize the spotlight. Austin Coppock would call it the spotlight. And I think that ultimately the Leo sign in general, from what I've learned from people like Liz Green and things of, of that nature, it's kind of this quest for authenticity, number one. I mean, that's really what we're looking for in Leo season is how can we really be allowed to be our authentic self and the journey to do that. But also the story of Parsifal comes up for me with Leo and in Liz Green's Astrology of Fate book, where she talks about, she compares the Leo journey to the grail quest, right? Where we are going and we're uh, we have Parsifal, the knight that, that wants to leave home and find the Holy Grail. And he, he goes to this castle where there's this old, sick fisher king. And he fails in his first attempt to do this because he didn't ask the right question, right? He just was, when he was, you know, when he was, uh, he had the, uh, oh, geez, what is it? The first time around, he was mute. He just was like, I don't know. And he's like, I don't know. Why, why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he comes back the next time. And he's asked the, the ailing king, uh, who does the grail serve? Lord, what ails thee? Right? He's learned the lesson of compassion. So I think that Leo season isn't just about the self. It's about how can you utilize your, your spotlight, your bullhorn, whatever it is, to have compassion, to also to tame some of our baser instincts as well. You know, you see that in the strength card where you see the goddess kind of like taming the lion and the basic instincts. So um, I found that I'm a Leo rising. So this is it's probably one of the reasons you asked me here today, because I, you know, I embody that as my first house and sun as my helm of my ascendant, which is in the 12th. So this is a little, it's challenging, but there's, there's some good things to that. Um, but a lot of my life has been about either trying to find who I am and my authentic self and expression or being able to defend who I am authentically. I'm a third Deccan Leo. I was about to say, are you yeah, third Deccan? Third Deccan Leo, isn't it? <laughs> Just like saying, yes, this is who I am and you're going to kind of take it or leave it. <laughs> it was a Mars. We'll get to that. But, but I think the other lesson that I've had to learn as a Leo ascendant is um, humility and that it's important for me now to be able to utilize my voice and my you know, spotlight or whatever it is to not only for my own benefit, but to further the needs of a community and, and to ease other people's suffering. That's something that I really take to heart in the work that I do. And I think that that's a, another thing to consider about Leo. It's not just about, you know, glorifying the self, although that's part of it. Leo to me is like 
I'm great and so are you and, and you could be great. Let's all be great together, right? <laughs> On some level, you have some Leo placements, don't you? I do have some Leo yeah. placements, yeah. Um, well, I hope that the Leo gets to the the high side of we can all be great together. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think sometimes the default <laughs> might be I'm great uh, and you're my audience, <laughs> you sure. know, sort of sure. sort of thing. Um, I've definitely been uh, I've definitely fallen into that uh, a little bit at times in my life, um, but. When I was just talking about this with Gray on the Venus retrograde episode that we did, because I think a big part of Leo energy is, um, you know, accessing this point of validation. Yes. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people are, are on display or are in the spotlight because they're looking for some quality uh, within them, you know, their, their passion and their purpose and their shining light to be validated in some way by, you know, other people or the collective, you know, think of the Aquarius quality, right? Um, but it's all that sort of inside job of inner validation. And I think that's when the true Leo can really shine is when they're in access they access that inner validation and and that mm. that that self uh you know consciousness in a positive way that then uh, realizes that we all carry a light inside we all right. are have light um and to give space for other people to shine that light without it diminishing another person's um in in the process uh, that's a tough so, lesson for leo isn't it right cuz the sun the sun it kind of blocks out everything else in the sky, yeah. doesn't it? So I've had to learn that, that lesson as a, you know, as a Leo rising, it's sometimes well, it's challenging. And think about it. It's like, if you got prominent Leo, um, you know, you, you're basically the solar entity walking around and you get in proximity with someone else and you're going to combust them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. There's an you intensity to, to Leo. Like just, I mean, it's a, there's times where I will just, if, if I feel inspired I'm going to, it's hard for me to stop. It's hard for me to calm down. If that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. I have to tell everyone about something that I'm excited about, like, but the opposite is true too. If I'm not excited about something, getting me to move off of my butt or whatever it is, is almost impossible. Yeah. It is a fixed sign. And, you know, it so, is fixed and right. lions can get lazy. Well, I, I mean, I, I think of it like this too. <laughs> a lion as a hunter will stalk prey. At, for a, a long period of time and it so it takes a while to to take down a large prey and then they gorge themselves on it and then they have to sleep in the sun they have to recover so a lot of times as the leo placements we're hunting big game and it takes a lot of energy and it may look like we're not doing anything but in, we may be stalking something as we're going through our life and i mean that in the most positive way and then if we take down a big project or accomplishment or goal then afterwards we like hey you know we need to recover a little bit we need to like chill out and then we have to find that new passion again that thing that we want to pursue right so i think that you know if we look at those decans once again it transitions from saturn in the first decan to jupiter in the second to uh what is the next one mars in the third so we have the contest this is, this is something that Susie teaches. The contest in the first, the competition for the spotlight, for our own authenticity. Like Austin Kopic talks about, we wear a mask in that deck and like we're trying on different personas to mm. see what fits. 
because Saturn is a deceiver, right? They say in ancient astrology, Saturn is actually a deceiver on some level. Um, and then in the Jupiter deck, and we've won our authenticity. And you see in that Six of Wands card, a parade. Like they're, they're actually, a, a, that card is about a general that's returning from battle and, are, and is having a victory parade of some sort. But, but the thing is that they're not just acknowledging that individual. They're actually taking a procession to a temple of Zeus to be able to give an offering to Zeus. I think that's a really mm -hmm. interesting thing to think about. So, and then finally with Mars, we're defending in the seven of wands, we're defending our authenticity. We're saying, okay, we've won this position, this status, and now we have to use our courage to stand our ground and to say, what are, what's, what are the hills we're going to die on and which ones, which things do we have to let go? This has been a lot of my life is like, which hill are you going to die on, Spencer? Or where do you have to let go of that stance? So I think that's another thing that we're going to really see, I think, especially with the, the squares to Uranus is, and the Venus retrograde is which hills are you willing to die on this summer and which things do you just have to be like, you know what, that's not as important as we may feel internally. We may have to compromise, right? Yeah. Oh, compromise. Yes. <laughs> oh, com oh, compromise. Well, and some of it, you know, speaking to some of the things that you just said is like compromise. We think a lot of times we think about compromise as being something outside of us, you know, right. with someone else. Right. But a lot of times there's compromise that goes on within, <laughs> yeah. you know, and coming to compromise within, within yourself. Um, and especially with, um, I was talking to a friend last night, uh, who has some prominent Virgo placements, you know, Mars being in Virgo, cause that's going to be a, a, a characteristic of this, um, Leo season, especially Mars just getting off in opposition with Saturn, uh, when Leo season starts, uh, we're feeling it brew right now, uh, in the skies. Oh, yeah. And I was talking that. about to Spencer. I was like, Oh, to me, that's like so much work, Mars and yeah. Virgo. And then the overwhelm of the responsibility and what you've committed to with Saturn and Pisces. Um, but she and talked taking, to me and taking a diet audit. I don't know if you've been going through this, but like, I've been like, I can't eat this anymore. When Mars oh. in Virgo. I feel I like know. that's part of age, but yeah, no, I oh, feel that. I feel that. <laughs> right. Um, but she was telling me, she's like, you know, I like, I'm coming to terms with my perfectionism, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, because she has so much to do. Yeah. But in order to be productive, in order to keep the ball rolling get, and get things done and just make progress, the mm. level of perfectionism has to be, or what, what that concept is for her has to be tempered in some way. And I think that comes back to sort of the compromises that we make with ourselves, mm. where we're willing to compromise and be like, you know what, well, that was a good effort. Uh, you know, maybe my you know, more critical self or more ideal self would like that to be, uh, further along or better, better in this regard. But you know what, I'm willing to, you know, compromise with this manifestation and what's going on and be like, you know what, that's good enough. It's like, I it's not that. perfection. It's progress. I feel that on a very deep level. I, I have a Virgo stellium. I have Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn in Virgo and Saturn is opposing all that stuff. And you know, I've been talking to myself, but also to clients about this, the, the Saturn and Pisces is really challenging people with Virgo placements right now. And especially through the opposition with Mars and Saturn to really reconcile form versus essence. And I think mm. that the perfectionism that you're, you're alluding to sometimes with Virgo placements, we get really obsessed with the form 
of something and like infusing, you know, something spiritual into a material thing and how we have to order it just right. And it has to be this detail and whatnot. And Saturn in Pisces says, what does this mean? Is, is, are you really getting the, the undercurrent? Are you really getting the, the, the meaning behind it? Uh, does the form actually serve the, the higher purpose of what you're doing? And I've had to ask a lot of those questions as, a, as my life's gotten more busy and more complicated is like, does the way, the way that I do things serve the actual meaning? Is it consistent with what I truly believe and what will help people to understand the big picture as well? So yeah, you're totally right on that. And I think that when we start Leo season, we're going to be coming just off of that Mars-Saturn oh, opposition yeah. where we're really going to have that you know, Mars Saturn is always like one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake type thing. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> right. So I get, you know, I'm just thinking of like stories what this could represent. Like, you know, we, we probably will just be starting, maybe we'll start a project that's very, you know, we'll start with the details. A, a story that I'm reminded of from my youth is that I used to do a lot of drawing and oftentimes I would, I wanted to draw faces and I would start with the eye. And I would just spend two hours drawing every detail on the eye. <laughs> and then I would try to fit the rest of the pieces in and it would just all look like Picasso or something yeah, yeah. that wouldn't be a fitting together. Because I started and I got so granular about one tiny piece of it that I started, I really wasn't seeing the forest for the trees type of thing. So as I advanced as an artist, I started, I had to make an outline. I had to see where all of the elements were going to be placed before I zo zoomed in. And I think that that's my, one of the things we're going to be feeling with the beginning of Leo season is how can we keep the big picture in mind before we start zooming in on all of the granular microcosmic details? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good point because I mean, it's some people might not realize this about Leo, but it's actually has a quality of a big picture sign. It sure. has the ability to see more like abstractions and, um, you know, thinking about like Mercury, uh, in, in Leo where actually Mercury starts, uh, the season is in, in Leo and me having a natal Mercury in Leo, uh, there is, I'm like better with broader concepts, you know, um, and maybe the inspiration and the vision that are behind things and right. rather sometimes getting into the details around things. So, uh, bridging the gap between the two, right? Because we need that we can't, we can't forego the details, but we can't lose sight of the bigger picture. So how mm. do we incorporate those in our lives, especially when we're going through maybe a, a pressure test, uh, and sort of this underworld journey of, you know, with, uh, Venus going retrograde, right? Because talk about a lead up of Leo season. It's like <laughs> Mars opposing Saturn, Venus stationing literally minutes before the sun moves into to uh, Leo while the, while the sun is opposing Pluto. You know, you got Pluto at the bendings of the nodes. Like yeah. we got so much going it's like on. Three three different hits. It's kind of weird how that yeah. works. Well, because with the of true node, yeah, because exactly. the true node retrogrades. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, I think there's a blessing to all that because it's Leo season, right? We are talking about the sun in its domicile. Yeah. So, you know, getting to the heart of a matter, you know, shining, like having a point of illumination, shining the, the light of, of consciousness and, and where mm. our consciousness resides. Because, you know, that's a very big thing, like where we put 
our level of consciousness in our lives. And, you know, cause that, you know, where that energy and that essence is, is essentially our whole awareness, uh, and in a different way than my mercury might be with the perception. Right. So just looking at consciousness as a whole is, um, could be very, yeah. So anyways, mm-hmm. my whole point of that is that I think that, because I think, right. We, that it, it, the sun becomes the second it moves into Leo, the sun becomes the final dispositor for all the planets. For all um, the planets. For, for all planet? the planets, because we don't have a single uh, planet in, uh, in, except when the moon moves through Cancer. Um, okay. But we don't have a single planet that is in its own sign. Uh, you know, we got some Venusian planets, we got some Mercurial planets. So until Mercury moves into Virgo, all the planets are going to be deferring at the end of their chain to that sun in Leo. So nice. it's going to be very solar period <laughs> for a handful of weeks. Yeah. You know, illumination is something that just, you know, really comes out of that too, like finding clarity and yeah, the sun is something that just helps you understand what you're really looking at, you know, and, and helps you to make it conscious rather than, rather than that lunar somatic consciousness that is more about the senses that isn't like, you don't know why, but you just feel it. Feel it. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> but with the sun, you, you're able to name it. You're able to uh, be inspired by it. You're able to utilize it. So there's, there's agency with it. There's will that mm. we're able to utilize with that solar consciousness as well. And so that's just so interesting to think about that illumination and sort of like a clarity point, right? Because I, if we think about the lunar cycles that we're going to be going under, right? Because we just have a new moon in cancer, like day, like less than a week before the Leo season starts. Um, So we don't get to our new moon in Leo until later in the season. And of course we have all fixed quarters, which is, uh, you know, highlighting very tense and, and rooted aspects of our life that are gaining new stories or that's switching and turning. But there's something to be said about, you know, because we're, you know, Spencer and I are recording under right now, we're recording under still the lunation cycle that uh, that Gemini new moon squaring Neptune, right? And then this yeah. this new moon coming with Cancer is going to be trying Neptune. Um, and then the new moon in Leo is square Uranus. So thinking mm-hmm. about this place of confusion and dreams and visions and, and the in-between liminal to the point of maybe like acceptance and flow to the illumination than then to the awakening you know mm-hmm. that comes it's an interesting just lineup uh lunar speak lunar wise yeah i mean we're so we're coming off the as we record the gemini three new moon where we had to make a choice yeah. where where we were we had too many things too many thoughts too many <laughs> ideas too many all of it and too many too know, many one twin had to die so that the other could live and that came to fruition at the full moon in Capricorn in those those middle decans where we're trying to figure out, you know, a lot of it is leisure versus kind of like hard work in those two decans as well. I mean, don't you what live do you this, mean? right? <laughs> you live this. <laughs> so that's your so I'm sure that was a big one for you because that was oh. right on your sun and moon, right? And that that pretty, yeah, area, pretty pretty close. Right? Pretty close. Right? So, and then at this new moon that we're going to be starting up on mon- the Monday after we record this is the third decade of, of cancer, where we, we, we touched on that briefly about the, the feeling of fullness 
you know, there's a scarcity versus abundance questions that come up in that. How much is enough? What, what is enough? So that's something, that's a question we'll have to ask ourselves as we go into Leo season is what do we do with excess? What, what is excessive and what isn't? And maybe how do we share our abundance even as well? Mm-hmm. And that'll come to the, the fullness at the, the Leo full moon or the Aquarius full moon mm-hmm. where, with first, first deck in Aquarius versus first deck in Leo, where a lot of that to me is, you know, finding beauty and communication with the, the fringe and the outsider, right? With the first decan of Aquarius. And how do we, you know, become an insider on some level? Insiders and outsiders is really it's something that I think about mm. a lot when those two uh, are opposing each other. So, but I think it's, it's really important to, to keep in mind that we're just going to have these live squares with the, especially Uranus. And we have a preview of this, right? With Mars going through that square to Uranus. And Venus (laughs) and Mercury. And the fact that we've had a lot of squares to Uranus from various planets at various times. It's it's not new news, but it's a continuing uh, evolution. (laughs) I went back in my journal and looked at what was happening during some of those squares just to get some context about what might be happening when the retrograde squares happen. Yeah. But the Mars Uranus square was a time period when this was Mars in last decade of Leo and Uranus in Taurus three. Um, we were dealing with, with extreme air quality issues here in the Midwest from Canadian wildfires. And it was a real, a real shock to the system around here because in the Midwest of the United States, we've been really sheltered from a lot of those challenges. And that really was an eye-opening awakener for me. That's like, we're not going to be able to escape this wherever we're at. Although we've talked about you having the perfect weather in San Diego, but <laughs> the dust. We get our wildfires too. Yeah. We get the, the yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, with Venus squared, you're honest, I thought this was kind of funny. It wasn't as intense as the Mars one. But I was watching, first of all, I was, I'm trying to create a pollinator habitat in my yard. I'm removing all of my grass and planting native plants. And I had a huge project where I just had to repot all of the, I I bought like hundreds of plugs to put in and I was feeling really overwhelmed. I was like, this is amazing, but it's just like so much work. And and then in addition to that, I was watching this uh, show, show on Netflix called Muscles and Mayhem, which is oh, I've seen that. Pop have you up. seen that? The yeah, wrestling the, show. Yeah, it's well, or, it's it's about um, it's about American gladiators. Gladiators, yeah. Remember yeah. that from our, mm-hmm. our, our oh youth? yeah, I totally remember American. It, it gladiators. felt very very <laughs> Venus and Leo square Uranus and Taurus type of thing, and you know this kind of like this battle of courage and like <laughs> like and then but also showing how the the mistakes that they made and how how to how they've kind of come out on the other side of that. And that's one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about with Uranus and Taurus is it's really about, you showed me this deck that you're working on. That's beautiful um, that you're going to be, I don't know if you letting, my letting a cat out of the bag. I'm sorry. Did the cat (laughs) screech out of the bag? (laughs) Well, that decade, sorry, I'll backtrack. You didn't hear anything. Uh, (laughs) Um, that uh that decade really mystery. is <laughs> you and you scorpio risings uh always keep it your secrets um no that, that decade really is about reevaluating what has worked and what hasn't and and being able to to atone for previous maybe mistakes that we made through being rash or through just dealing with 
the challenges that come through forces that are greater than us, like forces mm. of nature that were out of our control, like natural disasters and disaster management. So I think a lot of this Leo season, I really do feel like as the sun moves into Leo and, and, and Venus retrograde is going to hit it again, we're really trying to figure out how, who, what kind of identity we're going to have moving forward as we make adjustments to this new reality that we're living in, you know, of having to deal with severe weather in, in various forms all, all over the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is not going away. No. Um, just, and just in the beginning stages, of just it. in the beginning stages. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see just how this plays out in, in the summer months here. Cause we know summer months, well, winter months have been rather volatile, uh, too, for some folks. Um, but we'll, we'll see, you know, once again, having the, everything come back to the sun, we know the sun is scorching hot. So <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about droughts. And yeah. Well, period. and then that's what we're talking about. Remember yeah. when I was saying, you know, the, the, um, the sympathy with the Taurus and Leo is the dry component. Yeah. So, you, you know what I think we need to do, Mel? We need to make an offering to Sekhmet. You're familiar oh, yeah. with Sekhmet? <laughs> I, I know, I know the name, but I didn't, I didn't know that they, uh, can they bring the rains? Well, Sekhmet was a was a solar deity in Egyptian okay. mythology, and she was a daughter of Ra, one of another solar god. Yeah, and she was very angry, and she brought upon upon the the countryside like a lot of drought through her scorching rage. And they were able to appease Sekhmet by giving a blood sacrifice of like red dyed beer. So they would, they would hmm. dye beer with like hematite and, and ochre and they would pour it out in the, in the desert. This is how the story goes. And it appeased her bloodlust. So maybe we need to dye some beer, spread it out in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that will help us uh, overcome the, the rage of the sun. or The, the, the scorching rage, the scorching right. rage. Oh totally. my gosh. I'm not about some scorching rage, especially here. You know, we always say like San Diego is kind of like the perfect weather where we have like that Mediterranean climate and that, like that mm -hmm. small piece of the, you know, United States. But, but when we do get the heat, there is no air. Most places have no air conditioning because we're used to the coastal breeze and we're used right. to 70 degrees, you know, for us. Uh, <laughs> but, but when it comes around, it's like 95 out or, a, you sure. know, a hundred and you're just like, it is insane. Just sitting in your house with like a fan that does absolutely nothing, you know, yeah. taking, I've taken like ice packs out the, the freezer and putting it on your neck, you know? Uh, sleeping, barely sleeping because you're just sweating in your bed. But, you know, well, I, li I live uh, on the second floor of a really old house in, you know, Michigan. And we ha we regularly get up over 100 here. I mean, it's hasn't been super hot yet this season, but uh, it's probably coming. And it it's, it's unbearable. Well, <laughs> like, you know, so I live on the second floor too and heat rises. Heat oh, yeah. likes to rise. I got like yep. a whole picture window that 
yeah, which is nice. Too. It overviews the city and like, I have like a view of San Diego, nice. but, um, but it also is Western facing. <laughs> so right. it's mine's, just like, just mine's beats southern, down. Mine's Southern facing. So, oh, it's all day <laughs> like, it's basically. Terrible. It's bad. Yeah. It's well, bad. you know, yeah. well, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little, uh, we'll do a little prayers to old Sekhmet yeah. here <laughs> and see if we can get it mitigated a but, little bit. But I do think one of the things that we've been doing around here that I think is important with, without going to an extreme with it is, it's just preparing for some of the changes. Like we recently acquired a generator because when with these triple digit, you know, temperatures, there's a lot of brownout type of activities mm. where we lose power. Like yeah. we lost power here during a super crazy ice storm, a, a once in a 50 year type of ice storm for a week. I was, I was without power for and heat for a week in the end Jeez. of February. So that experience will really change you. <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll be like, oh, we need to, you know, plan a little bit for some of these changes that are coming. So I think that within reason, right? You don't want to you want to live your life completely in fear. I mean, you have to kind of have a balance between living and going and doing your things, but also understanding that you might have to make some changes in your life to be prepared for some of the challenges that these changing weather patterns might present to us. Yeah. That's yeah. So we, we will see, is it going to be a hot girl summer? And in other <laughs> right. words, hot girl, like hot in my, <laughs> sweat right. in my <laughs> Barbie summer, yeah. hot girl, Barbie summer. So, all right. Well, we kind of did a, did a lot of talking about, you know, the, some of the, some of the Leo components that might be going on in the season. I think it's good to, you know, get in there and share a chart because some of the things yeah, that we're going to talk about, um, I think are kind of encapsulated into the moment of the sun moving into Leo, uh, which is July 22nd, um, at about 6 50 PM here, uh, Pacific time. Um, so later in the evening, if you're on the East coast and the next day, if you are anywhere else in the world, um, but of course, you know, and I, I, we got that sun in Leo, we got Venus who just stationed retrograde, you know, moments, not even an hour before <laughs> right. the sun moves in, yeah. you know, that sun is coming off that opposition with Pluto. Um, and the bending and of the nodes. It's at the... Exactly. And so, and right. then we have this, this nodal quality, uh, with Pluto just sitting there. So, you know, what, like, it's kind of like a, a wild weekend, uh, yeah. the way that Leo season gets started because, and it's not only that too, you know, a day later, um, Chiron also stations retrograde too, which, yeah. you know, Venus is having its story with, um, both Jupiter and Uranus and Taurus, but she's also having a whole story with a trying to Chiron, um, that if you listen to Gray and I's program that just came out a couple of weeks ago, we did a lot of talking on that. So I'm curious, Spencer, of what, um, just, I mean, picking your brain about just the Venus retrograde, um, but also the Pluto at the bending of the nodes, you know, uh, pick your poison. What you want first? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let's, oh, man. I mean, since Venus is going to be stationing retrograde, Let's, let's start there, right? Um, you know, Venus is going to be going under the beams of the sun shortly after that in, in being uh, renewed in the heart of the sun. So this is something to consider as we move forward here is that this is part of the 
quote unquote, Kazemi cycle, right? The synodic cycle. And it's retrograding in that third decan of Leo, the third 10 degrees that we've discussed that is syncretized with the seven of wands. So to me, Venus glamorizes the place that it's moving through. So the glamour of courage, the glamour of standing our ground, the glamour of, uh, you know, for example, like I talked about the American Gladiator show that I saw when Venus was in the third decan of Leo squaring Uranus. Like they have this competition where they're like jousting and they're trying to knock each yeah. other off of a pedestal, which is very literally those big like Q-tips. Yes, right yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's literally like the seven of, of of wands card. I mean, it, it's it's uncanny, like like yeah. the, the the literalness that's going yeah. on there. So I, I think that. We may have uh, drawn a hard line in the sand in some circumstance, and we may have to reevaluate if that is really the way forward. Um, I was reading an article this morning that I was telling you about, about the the Actors Guild, uh, SAG or whatever it is, the Screen Actors Guild is going to join the writers in striking, the writer's strike for like the the, um, Hollywood industry type of thing that's going on. The writers have been on strike for a long time, and now the actors are going to join in with them, which feels very Venus and Leo retrograde. Like we're trying, we, we're we're not going to get any new, you know, you know, new creative projects from the, uh, the from the spotlight, so to speak, right, from the mm. movie industry. And uh, I really do think, though, that um, that conflict will probably be resolved closer to the the Kazemi of Venus. I hope. Um, because I like watching television and movies and things like that. So I'm, I'm praying for it, but um, but I think that we, in our own lives, in our personal lives, that's just one manifestation in the collective. But I think we might have to to really uh, look, take a look, a hard look in the mirror, and say, where have we been stubbornly defending our territory or our or what we perceive as our authentic self, and is that is that stance creating harmony with people or is it driving us away from peace and harmony with people? Mm. Um, and with the square to Uranus, that, that, that's, there may be some unexpected things that are coming up for sure that are, that are maybe bigger than you that where you may have to swallow some pride <laughs> where, you know, I think that's a, a really big part of this is if, if we have allowed our, I guess our, our ego or our pride or our, you know, our Leonine, you know, expression become a little puffed up or boosted. There may be something that really humbles us because Uranus in, in Taurus three is really about humility, uh, in, especially in the face of nature. So th- there may be something where, where we've, we've, uh, I don't know, like <clears throat> some people don't even acknowledge that climate change is a thing. So that there may be people that are maybe starting to acknowledge some of those things as the uh, the disaster finds their neck of the woods, you know, because it's very easy to uh, put your head in the sand when other people are suffering, but you're still doing okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's being harder and harder to ignore the challenges that we're facing. And what I hope is that that as we get clarity and illumination as to the reality that we're living in, that it will drive us to make some changes in, in the collective, in the macrocosm, but also in our personal lives so that we can survive, that we can thrive as a species and as a human collective. 
Well, you know, and I feel that what you're speaking to, Spencer, really comes down to a good old Venus keyword, and that is values, you know? Do you, Perfect. Do, yeah. do you value? Do you do you do you value the planet Earth? Do right. you value you know your uh, like the, the the bigger things in life that um, are past your own personal desires in that particular moment that we can get and defending those you know defending those comforts or those right. um, you know uh, positions in in lieu of something much grander that that is happening you know like where is where is the real value not only for yourself but for other people uh in the planet um as a whole well and, and so you know, let me piggyback off that for a second because you you are hitting the nail on the head here is sometimes our values are going to uh, let me cycle through a second here Uranus and Taurus is making us very uncomfortable, is what I will say. It is shaking up comfort. Yeah. Like Taurus is the ultimate sign of comfort, right? Mm. And there's a relationship because Venus is the the, the uh, ruler of Taurus. So we may be uh, needing to get a little bit uncomfortable to make the changes that we need to make. And modern society, modern Western society in particular, where we are attracted to and addicted to maybe convenience, comfort, and things of that nature. And only by allowing ourselves to feel some of that discomfort, may we start to make the changes that are really necessary. And Leo, Leo is a sign, uh, you know, the sun is a planet that wants to exert its own will, its own desire. And sometimes when we need to do things and make sacrifices for the collective, which is embodied by the Saturn and the opposite sign of Aquarius, a lot of people really resist that. A lot of people really get really like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And I don't care what other, if it affects other people or not. And I think that that mindset is really going to be challenged during the Venus retrograde and the squares with Uranus in particular. So I, I really think that's part of the, that equation mm. there. The, um, yeah, the apparent disharmony that you can't get away from, even if you'd like to stay in your 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 comfort zone, your lane. And it kind of brings so back to even like the four of cups that we were talking about earlier yeah. in the transition out of uh, cancer season, because, right, there is that level of comfort and luxury that's with that particular card. Totally. Um, but totally. that, you know, but there's a, there's also a soul sickness. There's mm -hmm. a, like a complacency there's, you know, and there has to be that kind of disruption, um, of, of comfort or perceived balance because things aren't in balance anymore. Um, so, but it, it does help that Venus, like, you know, your Taurus is a Venus ruled sign. So these squares sure. are, you know, working with, with Venus, there's not necessarily other planets involved in here other than the sun, obviously it was the sun moves in Leo and Venus is in Leo. So I feel like they can be very big, productive um, kind of shifts that that take place and not just in the um, well, you know, I was talking about this in the last program, too. It's like we get to these bigger questions of you know, our issues with, you know, the planet and the climate change and this and that. But it all comes down to that personal like we like it, our politics. You know, it's like none of that bigger world um, storylines 
will take place unless we're all these just individuals going about doing our our thing and having our desires and our wants and our, you know, um, it kind of starts there with this sort of personal journey that ripples out into the greater effects of uh, humanity and the community. Yeah, you know? I, I've I've been spending a few months with sitting with that thought, Mel, as we did a, a group study with Sophie Strand's Flowering Wand book, which I highly recommend as, as far as a, it's a, it's a book that's really inspiring towards some of these concepts. Um, but it really starts with belief, doesn't it? And I think that if we are going to make macrocosmic change, it is, it needs to start with what we believe about what the earth is, what our role is within it. I mean, she makes a lot of points about maybe even decentralizing the human uh, thought that we are the center of this earth universe, right? But that everything's for us and, and yeah. seeing our animal plant brothers and sisters as equals and thinking about how our actions affect them. She uses a big fancy grad school word called the Anthropocene, which is the, the era of history of the earth's history that it where the acknowledgement that our human actions have an effect on the rest of the planet. So I, I think it's so important that we start. I love this concept. This is why it's so beautiful about this book. She talks about the you catastrophe and that roughly it's a Tolkien term that roughly translates to the good catastrophe. The, the moment where it, the example was given was when the Eagles swoop in and save Frodo and Sam from being on the, on the side of Mount Doom. It's the moment where crisis is imminent, but there's something good that just swoops in to change the whole tide and to change the whole narrative. And you're talking about personal responsibility. She suggests that we can be the eucatastrophe for the bees in our yard. We can be the eucatastrophe for the possum that was hit on the side of the road that was pregnant where we rescue those babies and we we change the narrative of those baby animals in the moment where we give an oasis for the bees that are losing habitat by the second. You know, there's little acts of kindness that is that does require not necessarily thinking about if it benefits just us. It's sacrifice. But the, the beautiful thing about that is when we sacrifice for the collective, we are part of the earth. We are part of its intelligence and its consciousness. We are part of its light. And when we take those actions that are for that greater good, what we're doing is we're giving that energy to ourselves. We're creating a more beautiful, balanced planet that is returning homeostasis so that, honestly, so we can live on it, you know, and survive and not be like, constantly scared that there's another disaster that's going to be coming or that we're going to burn up or not have food or not have water. Right. And the generations to come, right. Because it's, exactly. it's past our, you know, exactly. it's past our moment here in this time. Right. Um, right. And I think what you're speaking to actually ties in, uh, sort of perfectly with, um, Pluto at the bendings yes. because, you know, think about Pluto at the bendings of this, this Capricorn 
Plutonian journey that's been taking place since 2008, right? You know, we're talking about 29 degrees of Capricorn and being at the bendings of the nodes that just moved into Aries and Libra, you know, we're still in this Mars Venus story with the nodes, but we're just switching. Right. And so here we see in this particular chart, you know, the beginning of Leo season, we're talking about Venus retrograding, right? We're at the point of the South node uh, retrograding and stationing. We see Mars, you know, the point of the North node in an opposition to Saturn, you know, asking the, you know, with maybe some backs against the wall and asking some hard questions and looking at the, the long term and what we can do. Um, and how that affects and where our compassion is, right? You know, uh, and where we feel overwhelmed, but how we can not let that overwhelm get us into a place of um, complacency and rather to push us into actions and maybe small actions, right? You know, you think about yes. Mars and Virgo. It's like, it doesn't have yes. to be grand gestures. It could be like, I would tell Spencer before we got on mm-hmm. here, like, you know, when, if I'm in a store and some person walks out with something in a plastic, like just like a small thing in a plastic bag, like that enrages me. I'm like, you are just taking this thing that you could probably hold, you know, to, um, you know, the car where you're taking it somewhere else. And then where does that plastic bag go? It lives on forever. Right. And (laughs) and why is that? Is it because it's comfortable and you want something to hold it? Is it because it's a social thing and you don't want to be like, uh, you know, Oh no, I don't need that when someone's offering you something, right? You know, because people just throw it in a bag right away and, you know, that's their jo- their job and they're not thinking well, about we're it. We're conditioned. We're conditioned towards these things now, right? Th- think about, I love I love the, the path that you're going down here because think about like yards, for example. I mean, I don't know how much grass you have in San Diego. I don't Diego. got any grass. <laughs> but like in the Midwest. I've been wanting grass. In the mid- well, in the Midwest, people are obsessed with their lawns and dumping chemicals that literally poison everything yes. onto their lawns to keep them green. And like, they have to get rid of all the weeds. And, and honestly, a lot of that is rooted in the, the belief about what is, what, what necessitates, what represents abundance because keeping up with the Joneses. Well, here, think, think about this for a second. Back in the day, if you had enough land to be able to not grow food on it and keep it like perfectly manicured with lawn, that was a symbol of wealth. So we talk about Pluto at the, at the bending of the nodes, Pluto being a representation of wealth. Okay. We're going to have to change our idea of what it means to be wealthy and abundant. Like lawns serve no purpose, like none. They're just sucking up water. They're absorbing a bunch of chemicals and putting chemicals into our system, right? So why not just replace them with plants that are more drought hardy, that actually pollinate the bees? Because guess what? If we lose bees, we lose food, right? The the bees are, are vital for being able to pollinate the fruits and vegetables that we eat or that feed, if you, if you do eat meat, like if that feed the animals that we eat as well. So that it's all interconnected. And if one of those systems starts to fail, the whole thing could be crumbling. So those small actions that you're taking, those you catastrophes, it's really important. And that's where you take back your personal responsibility and your, your, your own personal sovereignty you know, because I think that there's a new term that I've been really wrestling with. It's called climate anxiety. And I've been having a lot of it lately. You start seeing all these changes and you get really nervous. And I think that we try, social media is really guilty of this, but we try to present a face like everything is okay. I'll tell you what, I'm not okay right now. I'm, I'm, as us Cancerians are very sensitive to these undercurrents. And like you said, as the nodes move into Aries, 
it's important that we start to take action on these things as a, as a collective. Like the alarm bells are going off. If, if you're not feeling some of this, you're not paying attention is what I will say. Um, but the, I, I agree that there is little things that we can do to start turning the tide while also putting pressure on the bigger organizations to make bigger scale changes. Because we can you know, not use as many plastic bags as we want, but until we make like larger oh, scale yeah. changes to yeah. like corporate interests and things like that, we're going to, we're fucked. <laughs> like, sorry. Well, and when that, that's part of the pressure within all this and that movement from Pluto, from Capricorn to Aquarius and how things, you know, they reach a critical point. There's so many critical elements going on here, right? right. And you think about the anoretic degree, the last yeah. degree of a sign. We think about um, Aries being a point of uh, uh, just a crisis as a sign, right? You know, Aries is good um, for being able to jump in uh, where in the moment of the heat, the heat of the moment when something needs you now and, and needs daring and um, you know, bravery and uh, new paths and to yes. be laid, right? And you know, that's part of this. Uh, this why this bending might be so. Um, you know, for the first uh, week of Leo season, and and then some, right? You know, because Pluto moves so slow, uh, yeah. is that the North node is also at the point of the eclipse that took place in April on mm. April 19th, 20th, depending on where, where you live. Um, so the, the nodes kind of catching up with that eclipse point while Pluto's adding all this pressure. And so we're, we're feeling it. We're feeling this, um, crisis of, of change, what's out of balance, what needs action, um, right. and attention, and needs to be done differently um, and needs just movement because we're talking about an anoretic degree in cardinal signs. Like there is a long-standing, long-standing issues and not just about climate, it could be anywhere um, in the, the community or in, in your personal life, right? There's long-standing sure. actions that are on the wheel of fortune. They're on the wheel of fate mm. and they're like going the, you know, you like you have to initiate something that is past overdue you have to move forward <laughs> even though it's ironic because the nodes are moving backwards but yeah. and pluto's retrograde too but we feel yeah. that pressure right even if we're not doing it in this particular moment sometimes the most impactful uh parts of our journey is the internal change that takes place in order for what's going to then change on the other side to be facilitated. You know, Mel, there's something that really came up when I was reading Sophie's masterwork. I, I really can't, I can't endorse that book enough. It's amazing. Is the challenges that we have with letting go in Western mm. civilization with the idea of compost. We, we are, attached and addicted to unlimited growth. And by coming to terms with the fact that we are cyclical beings, we, we grow and then we decay. And then we are part of, she says that soul is in the soil. And that just, man, it just, every hair in the back of my neck stood up when I read that, you know, like that, that we are going to return back to this earth and we have to be okay with composting some of the old things that didn't that aren't working anymore. Sometimes, this is why I've been saying a lot lately. So, one, when there was a right answer at one point, it, it's, it's not always the right answer in, as we move forward. It's okay 
for us to change our minds about what will work and what isn't. It's okay to let go of the old way of doing something to respond to the moment that we have. And I think that's very much Aries North Node is how do we respond to the moment? How do we initiate new things to be able to meet the challenges of our new, whatever our new reality is? And this is the other thing too. We're still at a point where we can make a difference in how our kids and our grandkids or whatever, how they're going to experience this earth. The whole like this is the new normal thing is really annoying to me because that's the type of attitude that breeds complacency or complacency. And if that we are accepting that it has, that it's just going to be this way. Now, granted, there are some things we're, we're not going to be able to avoid. We've, we've already, we're going to reap what we have sown in some level, but there's still time to make those changes, but it has to happen now. Like that's, I'm sorry to be so intense about it. You know, I don't want to be a bummer on your show, but like, but I just think it's so important. And I, I, I want to be on the side that is trying to, to do something about it rather than just sitting by and watching the earth burn up. Yeah. Well, I do think that that's a big uh, part of, you know, the rest of the year's astrology and something that Gray and I talked about um, recently is, you know, looking at like much of the rest of this, this year is placed on the, you know, personal path. Um, and with Venus and Mars being such, uh, intricate components. Um, and it goes back to what we were just talking about, like, like having to get, you know, personal with yourself, because that's where all the change happens. It's like, don't fool yourself in thinking that, uh, you can't embody change. You can't be the change. You can absolutely be the change. Right. And I think that that is the beauty of actually, um, the sun Mars conjunction and the synodic cycle that's about to start in November in in Scorpio, right? You can make change. You can make change sexy too. That's another thing. That third decan of, of, that third decan of Aries is all is Venus ruled. It's saying, I'm passionate about this. Why don't you get on board with this vision? Hey, you need to be in advertising. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, this is the thing that we're going to really need to do. We're going to need to make, we're going to have to find joy in the change rather than just, you know, fearing these things. We're going to have to say, Hey, look, isn't this, this backyard full of wildflowers beautiful? Isn't it more interesting than just a boring lawn filled with toxic chemicals? Like I look at my backyard now and it's, it's gorgeous. Like I, I removed a bunch of uh, lawn in the backyard and now there's just a rainbow of wildflowers popping up. And every time I look at it, it makes me happy. And there's like, birds and bees that are coming. There's all sorts of things. So it doesn't, it can be a joyful process, right? Once we acknowledge that there is a need for change, we can, we can take joy in that process. So yeah, I think being able to sell it is another thing that we may be trying (laughs) to experience, right? Yeah. Well, and I think maybe we're selling it for this weekend too right. of the change, right? Because another thing that's going on is Mercury is, is squaring Uranus <laughs> during <laughs> this whole weekend. So yeah. we, you know, we think about, um, we think about, uh, j- just changes of mind being a- awakened to new, uh, information coming in, um, uh, whether that's inside of us, outside of us, you know, there's, there's a disruption component, like just as like a caveat beyond like some of the things that we're talking about with, um, you know, uh, all the changes in the world and, you know, other things we've got to step up to that. 
this weekend's going to be intense. Just, just yeah. saying there's a lot of shifts going on. Um, and a lot of outlying sort of potentials that can kind of come in for d- disruption, um, and to start sort of that inner underworld journey, of uh, Venus, um, and what she's going to be undertaking in her, her retrograde cycle. Um, and just kind of be mating aware of that with the Mercury Uranus piece. Also the difficulties of just going through the Mars and in Saturn and Pluto at the yeah. bending. So it's like, have grace with yourself, have grace with mm-hmm. others during this time, because you know, yourself, shit can't right? hit the fan. <laughs> shit yeah. can't hit the fan uh pace yourself i think that's yeah. a good a good word of advice too like you don't have to if we're if we're starting off something right because chiron is stationing too on right. sunday so if we're starting something that is really triggering us like we don't need resolutions necessarily in the moment just because we are right. awakened to something like so we have to some sort sometimes you know catch our breath or you know find find the balance to address the the trigger or the the piece that's coming up um because you know that that deep dive that some of us might be going down for different reasons in our life um that doesn't happen overnight like that could be mm. you know uh it could be a few days that could be the entire cycle um you know so no need to rush anything because sometimes we be like oh we gotta resolve we gotta you know make it right and maybe you don't maybe <laughs> Just needs a moment. I agree. You know, I get really passionate about this specific discussion that we're having today, but I always have to kind of remind myself that you have to be in it for the long haul. It's easy to get fired up in Leo, like Leo placements. It's easy for us to get fired up about stuff that we care about. Um, And I, I get fired up about things that I care about passionately. Like I really care about the animals and, and the trees and the earth. And I, I, feel a deep sense of sadness right now about it, but also joy when I look at it and it makes it worth standing up for it. But I've had to learn as a Leo rising that I have to one day at a time, right? Stay in the moment. Uh, I was an athlete growing up and I was so intense about winning, you know, like, like trying to contribute something to my team and my teammates that I would just run myself to exhaustion and just heal over and injure myself. So I've had to learn how to sustain energy over time as a Leo rising type person. And we are going to have to go through that during Leo season is this weekend will be intense and it's going to, it's going to show us our new challenges, but then you know, I don't know, Mel, did you pull an animal for this? Cause I did, but it was, <laughs> no, what, what did you, what do you got? I got the turtle. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. So it was like, slow down slow and steady, right? Slow and steady wins the race. Exactly. We need to kind of trust our inner wisdom. We need to connect with the earth and realize that these cycles are, are macrocosmic cycles. The earth is, there's different levels of timing. We have, we only have a limited perspective as a human species of a human life. And it's, it's such a small time in the cycles of the grander cycles. If we can connect with that ancient wisdom, that can, that can start to uh, calm us down a little bit while still being able to take the actions that we need to, to move towards positive change. Yes, I agree. And so, you know, and then one of the things that, you know, the, as we get out of that, the, that interesting weekend is it basically 
places us on Tuesday with a first quarter moon in Scorpio. So, you know, we're pushing forward with this changing dynamic that we're talking about, which can be rather intense and it can bring up a lot of, um, you know, emotions that are, uh, that could be buried or that could be ripe or, or that can even be new to you. You know, we're talking about first quarter moon at two degrees of Scorpio. So this is like yeah. fresh energy coming in, but it, it speaks to that transformative, um, you know, the composty sort yeah. of, sort of vibe, um, and what really needs to change while it all being, um, a very mercurial week, right? Because uh, this last week of July, we already talked about how Pluto is making a couple of squares to the bendings based on the how the true node uh, retrogrades back and forth. Um, but Mercury's kind of got a lot going on, right? Mm-hmm. Because Mercury is going to uh, conjunct um, Venus, uh, who is still, you know, getting situated in her station there um, around. Uh, July 26th, 27th. Um, and then it's going to, where I lost myself. In, I lost myself in my notes. <laughs> um, that is going to trine the, the nodal access, right. Uh, that right. we keep talking about. And then it's going to move into, um, uh, Virgo and breaking that domicile sun, you know, that kind of, you know, now Mercury is going to be in its headspace, which honestly, Spencer, I feel like Mercury in Virgo is going to be a really good thing <laughs> for uh, yes. this this time period. Um, I'm into it. And there's yeah. going to be a Kazemi coming later on in the month, too, which is super positive for, you know, mercurial types of experiences. Um, yeah, that go, going back to that first quarter, that yeah. the moon is going to be very close to its maximum degree of fall. So this is a time where, you know, embodiment might be challenging. Like you were talking about composting and about really that decan of the moon is, is the five of cups, which is talking about, you know, mourning, grief. There may be something where we're having to acknowledge our sadness, acknowledge loss, while also understanding that there are still two cups standing in that card. There are three that are spilled and two standing. So shifting towards gratitude while after acknowledging what we have lost is really important. I think as we were discussing, it's okay to grieve in, you know, we, we feel like we have to put on these brave faces and Leo in particular, like for me as a Leo rising and I'm sure with you as a Leo MC, and you have Jupiter there too, right? Like And Mercury, yeah. <laughs> sometimes if we're not feeling at our best as a Leo person, we're like, you're not going to see me. You know, you don't want people to see you in a vulnerable position. And at this first quarter moon, I think it, there's going to be a, a, a challenge of like, how can you allow yourself that emotional vulnerability? How can you allow yourself to maybe not be at your best and, and mourn what you've lost? While also, we're going to start having the conversation between Mercury and Venus here about what is important to you? What do you believe in? That third decade of Leo is called the banner in Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces. What are you willing to, to stake your reputation on? So Mercury is a planet that is going to cast doubt and ask questions. So I think that there are harmonious conversations that might come up about what yeah. you really truly believe in with this. And then it, it'll, it shifts into, Mercury shifts into dignity, like double dignity, like it's exalted and in its own domicile and it's moving into the 
Kazemi cycle shortly after that. So I think that there's fruitful conversations we can have once we acknowledge the loss that we have, right? Think of the burden that's lifted from you when you actually feel your feelings rather than repress them. Yeah. So if you need a good cry with through this time, that's okay. You know, allow yeah. yourself to feel that. And it's just well, and there's something to be said about this whole position, right? Because the last time the moon was here in Scorpio um, mm-hmm. was its last visit to the South Node. So, yeah. and that happened to coincide with the Mercury. Um, uh, Kazemi with the sun that's trining Saturn. And that was, that was a, that was a time. A lot of people had felt some major shifts coming by because it was our last sort of lunar hurrah over the, the South node. Um, but there's something to be said about like leading up to this first quarter, because we're going to get our first that morning of Tuesday, the 25th, we're going to get our first lunar conjunction mm. to the south node in libra which of course is going to set off this pluto oh, no. square right but yeah. to come back to the mercurial piece right and because venus is ruling the south node moon conjunction um so we are you know we're, we're and, and the moon's trying or sextile her right right before yeah. it happens so yeah. there's this venus piece that sort of comes in that can be a little trying in libra and definitely kick some things up But like you said, you know, then we go on to Mercury getting rather close. You know, we Mm -hmm. go through the emotions of the Scorpio or we go through actually the point where we're pushed to actually make real change and to go through some hard stuff. Right. Because maybe it's not so hard or draining because the South Node's not there anymore. And so where there could have been a lot of like pressure and grief and like the difficulties um, of that placement, you know, now the moon's coming around to try and Saturn in Pisces without the, you know, the, the loss of, um, vitality or like energy that comes through that South node placement, but that Venus story is going to be extra kicked up. So something on Tuesday probably kicks off to then get us to the, you know, the passing of the baton to Mercury, right? Because then Venus is like, okay, well, we got to talk, Mercury, we got to talk about this <laughs> with, with ourselves. Right. We got to think about this or we got to talk about it with others. And then, you know, Mercury going into Virgo um, on uh, the 28th. Well, with, all this, with all this Virgo energy, letting go can be really sexy too. You know, with the, <laughs> you know, I cleaned up well, my basement. Yeah. Yeah. I recently cleaned out my basement after watching two episodes of hoarders. Have you ever seen the show? <laughs> like, and it inspired me to be like, I got to get rid of half this stuff here, but I felt so good afterwards because those things are energetic weights. Yeah. So true. you, you, you liberate space to, to be an authentic expression of who you are now not hanging on to who you were in the past. That show talks a lot about people that are going through grief and that they're holding on to physical manifestations of like a relationship that has ended or a parent that has passed or something like that. And by finally releasing the stuff associated with it, they're making room in their life, literally and figuratively, for new relationships, for new inspirations. So that's that's the way you can start to get uh, okay with some of this like letting go composting energy because you're really it's a it's a freedom type of question mm, well 
freedom, right? So how perfect is it when Mercury moves into Virgo after having these talks with Venus? And now Mercury's like, well, let's problem solve this. Let's make some changes. We're going to make some tangible shifts. And the whole time, you know, the moon is in uh, Sagittarius, you know, trining the Leo stuff and and thinking about the future and and ready to, you know, shift into the vision and and the optimism that comes uh, behind, uh, you know, after that. So that feels really affirmative as just like a switch that just takes place that weekend, um, you know, July 28th, 29th, um, that Friday and Saturday, uh, that even if it was a little tougher in the week or like brought up some things we had to get through, you know, that optimism of Sag and, and that, uh, you know, get her done problem solving of, uh, Mercury and both and Mars too. Now, you know, leaving that Saturn opposition, and uh, getting really close to a trine with uh, Jupiter, you know, mm. we are on the verge of growth and, and moving on. And sometimes to go back to what we were talking about earlier, growth looks like a purge. Growth yeah. looks like a transition. <laughs> growth looks yeah. like a paring down to what's actually really important um, in our lives at this particular time. Um, and Venus is chewing all that over. You know, and and going back to Mercury here, it's going to echo the Mars opposition with Saturn as we get closer to that. So the form versus essence question will come mm. around again. Like when we release our attachment to the how and really start focusing on the why, you know, the, the why is going to feed the how, in my opinion. You know, Saturn is exerting quite an influence on Mercury here. Although Mercury is very powerful in this conversation, there will have to be a balance between the details of carrying out the vision as we go through this opposition period. But, you know, Saturn's really challenging us to say, what does it mean? Why are you doing this? What is the stories that are making you do these actions? Why are you organizing it in this fashion? If you are able to have a longer range vision, then that will inform the most efficient path to your goal, if you want to think about it in Virgoian terms. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm excited about Mercury in, in yeah. Virgo. Yeah, it will in this whole yeah. configuration, right? Because you know, as we talked about before, Pluto is going to be at the bendings exact on Tuesday. That that the little bit of a crunchy Tuesday that we were talking about sure. um, on the 25th, uh, and then Friday again, right before this kind of takes place. So we're we're in this like little pressure cooker of energy that can be very end up being very. Um, productive in the changes that need to take place. Right. Because I think we should just actually sort of, um, just cruise on over to the, the full moon, um, on Tuesday, August 1st, because I think this full moon, uh, really facilitates, um, a lot of what we're saying and the culmination of it. Right. Because, here we got this full moon in, in Aquarius. Um, and it, we have Mercury cause you were alluding to this with the Mercury's movements right now yeah. being in Virgo saddling up to Saturn and Saturn is the, you know, the ruler of the, the full moon here. So here we have this Mercury and it's in its domicile, uh, you know, kind of picking, I don't want to say picking up the pieces of the Mars, but potentially, you know, if there was obstacles or difficulties that came up with Mars, Saturn, now Mercury's like, okay, well, let me look at this problem, um, yeah. from maybe a different angle. Um, 
while at the same time, Mars is an exact, exact trine to Jupiter. So I feel, and you know, the thing about the, the, the broader vision of Aquarius and that future mindedness and that inventiveness and, and detachment, I feel like this is a very beneficial full moon for just getting a grip and like making progress uh, in well, and um, Jupiter's ways. in the overcoming position to both Mars and the Leo placements by square, which in Hellenistic astrology, when a benefic like Jupiter or Venus is in an overcoming square to a planet, that that square is actually that's a, a positive, you know, testimony. So it's like we've got a guardian angel through all this kind of thing. Like there's some some good luck omen or something like that. And and really, if we look to Jupiter to, to show us what types of actions will bring us honor and merit, that second decan of Taurus is really generosity. It's really yeah. about, can you, you know, have a steady routine? Number one, it's all about rhythms. My moon is in this decan. So it's, I've had to learn to have to, the pacing ourselves is really important. You can't water the plant like five gallons in one day. You just have to show up consistently. So consistency, number one not holding on too tightly to your own material wealth or things of that nature, letting it flow through you so that you can, through your generosity, you are priming the pump for exchange, right? It's so huge. Like when we hoard, this is going back to hoarders, we block the flow of prosperity. We, we block new things coming in because, you know, when we hang on too tightly to stuff, then we're living in the past. And we're blocking future manifestation. So when you live in the moment, which is a a Leo quality, you are allowing things to come to pass through you in and out of your life so that they are reflective of who you are as you change, because we all are changing and we need to accept that we are changing. And when we don't accept that we're changing, that's when we commit all sorts of atrocities or, or I guess, evils on the world. And when we accept change, we're in alignment with the Tao, the flow or the flow state or mm. whatever you want to call it. The animate everything is what so- Sophie Strand calls it. I love that description of it. But this Mars Jupiter is awesome. Like this is like, it's time to like take actions that are going to expand your abundance. And you can do that through, you know, not only trying to take actions that will benefit yourself, but benefit your community and your milieu and your family and your friends and your earth and your bees and your birds and your trees, right? Because it's all, it's all part of it. Well, and that helps because we have these triggers taking place to, you know, the Aquarius full moon, we have that Mercury Saturn and Pisces, you know, we, we have these collective energies Mm -hmm. that are, we're, you know, being aware of. And of course, you know, the luminaries are in the square with Jupiter while Mars trines it. And I think what you're saying is perfect, right? Because we are confronted with the, you know, growth and these changing dynamics, but the, the, full moon itself, you know, thinking about it being in fire and air, like the, the, um, like the real focus and illumination, uh, is around the now living in this moment and also thinking about future possibilities. So anything that is weighing us down or getting, you know, feels like it's too much to carry. And why do I even have this anymore? Like Mars is coming around like, Oh, let's make those cuts. You know, Mercury is very decisive. Mars is looking to that Mercury and it's opposing Saturn. It's like, we know, we know what needs to be eliminated. Right. Right. And, you know, I think about that six of, um, pentacles energy, uh, with that middle decan, 
mm-hmm. as, you know, we think about it as the give and take, um, but, or one element of it, but it's like, you know, what, how much do you have to offer? Yes. How much can you take in? You know, yes. like what's, where's the balance between those two and what's worth it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to you, you know, how much can you, can you actually exchange and, and give back and like, and that could be f- physical, that could be material and financial, that could be energetically speaking, you know, um, of what a good balance of, of give and take looks like, uh, in, in your life on all the, all the levels, all the levels, uh, right now. Um, but servicing that future, that future vision. Well, and Austin Kopik in his 36 faces book talks about Tantra in that Deccan, like the tantric motion of showing up, like the slow and steady, consistent action that builds over time, that fructifies the soil. This is fancy grad school word of like being able to create fertility. So we're planting our seeds and then we're showing up and taking care of the things that are important to us. So being able to show up consistently for whatever project that you're working on now is going to eventually lead to success, right? Um, a lot of the times, and this is, I think this is good advice as the, as the nodes move into Aries and Libra, respectively. We may be really feeling a lot of energy towards starting something new, especially mm-hmm. something that we feel individually passionate about. But Aries, as we know, is not necessarily the energy of sustaining some energy yeah. over time, right? So if you want to be successful with this, you are going to have to decide, first of all, which of the things is most important you prioritize and mercury and mars are going to really be assisting in that especially because mercury is is feeding mars all sorts of hyper analytical abilities right saying like being able to label what priorities are and then you take jupiter's energy and you say okay this is my priority now i'm going to have to consistently feed this i'm going to have to consistently show up i have to consistently you know do just enough and then relax, right? That's the key to this decade too, is it's not just about work, 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 work. It's like, I've worked enough for the day. Now I'm going to recharge the battery. Now I'm going to have some leisure time. This is one of the things I'm working on is how do I create some leisure time in my life as I try to expand my reality? It's a difficult question. And it's a difficult thing that a lot of us struggle with in late stage capitalism is how do we make time to really truly relax and not have to be on our grind and on our hustle all the time. Because if you constantly are go, 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 you're going to burn yourself out just like we've burned out the earth and the soil. If we don't let it rest, if we don't let the soil rest, you're not going to grow something that is nutritious anymore. All the vitamins are going to be leached out of it, right? So allowing yourself that rest time is also a part of this. And I think is a really good message not only of Jupiter and Taurus, but also Saturn and Pisces of, of saying, you know what, I've done enough today. This is good enough, right? You were saying earlier, the perfectionism saying, you know what, I'm, I'm enough. I've done enough. I've, I'm worthy of this, right? This is where we get in that. We combine that with the Leo energy of authenticity and, and self-worth is loving yourself enough to slow down and to, and to take it easy every once in a while, I think is something that I don't know. You and I are of the same 
what are we? Are we Gen X? Are we early millennials? When they, what, people don't know what we are. What we're the like, fuck are we? We've been called <laughs> Gen Y. We've been yeah. called the... We're in between. We're in between. We don't but, fit into a nice tidy box of generations. But I think the younger, <laughs> the younger Gen Z or whatever the hell they are now, they are saying, you, you're burning us out. We need to be able to rest every once in a while. We need to have some time off so that we can be like nature. Nature it doesn't isn't always you know, always growing every season. There are seasons of fallowness. There are seasons of hibernation and rest. And it's so it can store energy for the next cycle. So we need to get to normalize storing energy for our next cycles rather than the, the energy of depletion. Yeah. Well, and that might speak to just the, uh, just the cards associated with the full moon itself. Right. You know, because right. we're still in the, the five of wands and that stress and that strife and that pressure. <laughs> and then yeah. the five of, uh, swords, which is, you know, the card of defeat. Yes. This is, you know, Conflict thinking about defeat. what is, uh, you know, where to lay down the sword. You were talking about that earlier, you know, yeah. where to, to lay down the sword and when there is like, it just because a lot of times I feel feel this card comes up a lot of times in my readings for other people when they're they're just trying they're just trying to like continue to do this thing that is burning them out or is wearing them out or just not giving the dividends or not but they just right. won't put it down they won't honor yep. the fact that sometimes defeat is the best thing that can happen to you because if you're like you know what that <laughs> I'm defeated here and that's okay. It There's gives freedom that opportunity. In that. There is freedom in that. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think about it being Venus in um, Aquarius, right? I know that, um, I think I was reading, uh, Mel Moline was talking about yeah. the, uh, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in sentimentality mm, around things. Totally. And I feel like you were just touching on that a little sure. bit with like the hoarding kind of things. Right. And we get, you know, we get sentimental around um something that we really need to it, it is defeating us in some way and we need to part with that or or stop fighting for that or look at where there's you know sort of these attachments that just aren't you know feeding the soul or like really helping us be in balance or grow as people um and so there could be like, even though this full moon to me looks like very much like moving forward, even if that means rest, right? There's mm -hmm. progress there. There is yeah. that tension. I mean, with any full moon, there's going to be tension, but there sure. is going to be something that comes to a head, especially with Mercury, Saturn, and then these kind of decans being activated that might go through that story first in order to really get the momentum and the progress that then can come after that. Yeah, I agree. So... So what a full moon. That's a nice, that's a nice full <laughs> a moon. And then one. really, yeah, it is It'll a big one. It'll be angular for us too. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll check in with you <laughs> how it's going. And uh, so really, cause so after that full moon, um, really we're just on the, uh, the the rest of the week is centered around you know the sun squaring Jupiter, which is a, a yeah. big point. Um, you know that's going to happen on August sixth on that Sunday, and so there really is not a whole lot going on other than you know the moon moving through you know the rest of Aquarius through that that Pisces zone and into uh, Aries. Which actually, when ironically enough, you know when the sun um, squares Jupiter on August sixth on Sunday, uh, the moon is going to be 
be in late Aries and actually conjunct the uh, North Node. Mm. So here we have this different piece. Remember, we were talking about the South Node in, in Libra um, on the 25th of, of uh, July and that kind of like little crunchy zone, which can be interesting. Um, but, you know, the nodes are starting to move away from that Pluto component. And now we get that, that North Node hit all while the sun is squaring Jupiter. So there's something about this entire week from that, you know, as we kind of wane off that full moon um, and have that kind of cooling phase where, you know, the pressure starts to ease off and we're able to settle a little bit more um, yeah. and look at sort of this progress and this, you know, the wisdom that comes in through what we've experienced. We get this like nodal hit at the same time, which seems potent in its own right. What do you think, Spencer? I'm, I think that things start to ease up a little bit around this period of time after the full moon. I think that's a really, that's a point of intensity. And then I, I think we're starting to get a little bit more, hmm, I don't, I wouldn't say relaxed because there's a couple <laughs> other things that we still have to go through. But I do think that like Jupiter and the overcoming position to the sun, like I said, is a, is a positive thing. I think that our ability to expand our idea of who we are as we expand our, maybe even our material abundance and, and what we believe is possible for us, that could be really invigorating, you know, and with this moon in the third decan of, of Aries conjoining the North node, we might just start to feel really passionate about sharing our individual vision. And this could be a really good moment for that, for sure. Yeah, it feels like, because I feel, you know, the, the Aries moon, whenever it comes around, right, that's, a, that's always an interesting sign um, shift is when we go from that Pisces moon into the Aries moon. And it's one of the most, I feel like it's one of the most like kind of like visceral, like invigorating, like it is a, you know, it's, it's but it, it hypes us up. It yeah. hypes us up. We get excited for the beginnings. We get excited for what's new in our life. We get inspired. We get passionate. And the whole time, you know, we're in this opening square to to Jupiter, you know, from where the conjunction took place in, in Aries, not right. too far from this degree, right? You know, the, the, the moon is kind of shadowing over that that the sun Jupiter synodic cycle start, um, that happened back in April. So uh, that seems really powerful too, but we can take all that inspiration and then we have that, that earthly outlet for it. Right. You know, when we're talking about Taurus, um, so it feels like, you know, a beneficial week for progress and getting our minds on the, the future, what we're doing, making, making moves, um, and and it leads us to the kind of the next uh, point in in at least the solar cycle with the last quarter uh, on Tuesday, August eighth, right? So we have this last quarter on Jupiter. <laughs> so I like, that. That looks, I like that it too. Well, yeah. it is juicy. So we have a yeah. last quarter on uh, Jupiter. Um, while Venus retrograde is saddling up, right. saddling up to that second square with Uranus. Um, and Mercury is also trining 
Jupiter. Um, And, you know, Mars is still in orb too. And so this this last quarter moon comes around and just activates that whole Mercury sat or Mercury Mars piece. And then Venus is like, Oh, you ready for my next storyline with Uranus? Are you, are you ready? (laughs) So, I mean, I I feel like I really like this. Yeah. Especially for practical matters, you know, like this is a really embodied type of arrangement in the sky. Yeah. I think the only challenge with this, especially with the moon Jupiter thing is Venus is combust, which isn't always True. the best energy. I, I, I think that, you know, in my macrocosmic thinking, I sort of skirted over some of the more traditional Venus retrograde significations. Like sometimes it's harder to come to agreement with people. Sometimes it's, <laughs> I, I find Venus retrograde as being a uh, the opposite spectrum of a the magnetic force. It's a repelling force, right? So yeah. we may have more difficulty coming into harmony with people. Um, also too, just the, you know, like the kind of the, the, the Vogue magazine version of Venus retrograde is be really careful about starting relationships around this period of time, because somebody might not exactly be what they appear to be once Venus, you know, turns direct. So I just think that this is going to be a really positive time if you're staying practical and if you're able to make the types of curiosity compromises. I think Mercury in Virgo, Mercury in any type of, you know, domicile, like Gemini in Virgo, curiosity is really important. Asking good questions, mm-hmm. hearing someone else's perspective. I think yeah. that can help soften some of the challenges with Venus retrograde. I think that the, the wrong way, quote unquote, to do Venus retrograde in Leo three is to really dig your heels in and say, no, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm not going to hear anyone else's perspective, but my own. I think that's really going to cause a lot of potential regret when Venus starts to move direct again. So I think flexibility is important around this period of time. I agree with that on, on some levels, uh, but there's also part of me that's having only because the sun is also just in its its domicile, which you know that's not doesn't mean it's always like <laughs> the best thing. It's the the most sunniest of suns <laughs> you can possibly sure. deal with. Because um, this is really but, fixed energy too. It's the middle decans of the fixed yes, signs, right? Exactly. Yeah. So these are you know these are world points coming in too. Yeah. You know because that that's um, something to take in consideration. So it's probably going to be a very dynamic. Uh, you know, storyline taking place, you know, early, you know, August 7th, August 8th, August 9th, et cetera, just in the the world sphere. Um, But there is something to be said, right? Because if there's some, you know, we're talking about this Venus retrograde in Leo and this place of authenticity and getting into your your integrity and that's, you know, sovereignty, you know, sometimes we have to be a little inflexible with our own desires, our own placement or the things that we're coming to, right? You know, because Venus is about to be reborn uh, in only a handful of days time. Um, So the kind of the awakening uh, and the, um, the jarring loose that she's experienced Experiencing on internal level, um, and, and maybe an external level as well. You know, sometimes we do. Uh, you know, coming back to that seven of wands energy, where seven of wands can be defensive. It can hold up. It can build walls. You know, it can be that inflexible, but it can also stand its ground and be like, That's you true. know what, I I'm doing it different. You don't like that, but there's nothing I can do about that except be me and hold my place for it. You know. 
You know, you know, I, I pulled an I Ching for our talk today too, for Leo season. And the I Ching is talking about what you're describing. I think that the, the key with authenticity, uh, I think a really well-developed Leo nine personality doesn't always have to insist that their way is the right way. Like, mm. so the, I guess the challenge I would say with that is, yes, you have to know what your non-negotiables are, but you also have to, this is where the curiosity part of Mercury and Virgo mm. and all that is you also have to be able to respect other people's ability to be sovereign, to have their own visions. And how do we balance those two things out is I think the real, one of the questions that comes up with this, but the I Ching, the I Ching hexagram though, is, was number 11, which was peace, harmony between the, the heaven and earth on some level. And there was one changing line. It says, fluttering down, he does not use his affluence on his neighbor. Without ad- admonition, there is sincerity. So this, that line, and it's changing to great power, so we become empowered by doing this, talks about not necessarily forcing something, not trying too hard, not f- flashing around your wealth or something like that, being sincere. You know, I, I think the biggest lesson I've learned as a Leo leader type person, because it's sun is associated with leadership qualities as well, is that I can be allowed to be me without insisting that other people follow me, right? Without yeah. saying that you have to be exactly like me. Now, that doesn't mean we can't express what we believe. It just means that one of my favorite phrases lately has been, well, we'll agree to disagree. You know, and I still love you and it's you know, I hope you still love me. And you know, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking yeah. in that, um, that moment. So this is perfect to bring up, right? Because sure. standing your ground doesn't mean you have to convince someone to stand on your ground with you. There you go. You know, <laughs> perfect. You, you can, you can just stand your ground and agree. Yeah. Like exactly agree to disagree or give people that space to be like, you know what? we're not seeing eye to eye, but that doesn't mean I have to come to your side. And that doesn't mean you have to come to my side. And so, because we feel that tension, right. And Venus doesn't want that tension. She wants it on one side or the other, but in this moment, it's like, well, maybe it's not about, you know, there's this, this element of growth that's taking place. Um, and we're in fixed positions and sometimes we have to agree to disagree. And I remember starting off my current partnership. I actually started off my current (laughs) partnership during a Venus retrograde, which was a little hairy. Um, (laughs) and it took some time to come around. Like it wasn't until like a, uh, like a year uh, and a half later where we had got to a different state of the relationship, which was actually under the Venus Libra trying Saturn and Aquarius. So we had nice. A, a nice, and then we got into the second leg of the relationship that was really um, gr- grounded and beneficial and future moving. So, so I, as someone who says that, I was like, well, you know, you can't, I don't say forsake all relationships during Venus retrograde, but there's something about the relationship that has to be worked through that maybe comes through at another time. But that being said, we always would come to these places where we'd be kind of staunch in our positions. And it was like, well, I'm, I'm meeting you here. You're meeting me here. And it is what it is. You know, that's more of like it in just owning that sometimes it is what it is. And if that creates tension and friction and the in an inability to come together, then that's just what it is because we're in integrity with ourselves. And it won't right. necessarily be like that forever, but maybe it's like that in that moment. Um, because for whatever reason it's important to um you know, own 
where, what you, where you're at and where your desire is, um, and well, what you and see. How, and how boring would it be if we were all the same and I we know. all believed the same thing? Like this, this is another thing I love about that flowering wand book is she, she talks about these different lives that we're all living as individual melodic lines in a symphony. And sometimes we come together in an assemblage of voices so, and sometimes it's temporary and we create some beautiful music together. Sometimes the music's a little bit dissonant, but there, 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 is, there is harmony that can be created from very different types of instruments. Like, you know, we, we might be, our hill that we're dying on, we die on might sound like a trumpet, you know, like someone else's might be an oboe and, you know, they find ways to coexist <laughs> in that symphonic, you know, production. So I... I I just think that, that there's so many ways to live and to be, and we've gotten, it's, we've, we've gotten away from letting bygones be bygones type of yeah. ex experiences, haven't we? So th there, that might be what's testing us during this period of time is how can we believe in what we really are truly passionate about and, and really figuring, you know, Mercury and Mars are going to help us to really discern you know, in opposition to Saturn, what are those true things that we really uh, are unwilling to budge on? What is our deal breakers? While also respecting the fact that other people have those things as well yeah. and letting them have their own sovereignty as well. Yeah. And that's just not, it's not a personal issue. Uh, it's all, yep. it's a world issue. It's like, we're, we're, we're feeling it. We'd be going through it for, for some time. Right. So there, you know, there's, there's something about this last quarter being ruled by that Venus retrograde. Yeah. In, you know, combust in Leo that's squaring Uranus that has this sort of turning point um, of, of how back to what we were talking about earlier about how we're being embodied, you know, what what our actual, you know, kind of physical material reality looks like, because it's going to play. It's not just this passion and inspiration. It's going to play out on the earthly sphere, like something shifts and changes within routines or reality or jobs or finances or home mm. life property, you know, like something shifts yeah. within that, um, that is going to be very tangible of in nature. Um, so basically let's see where, where are my notes here? Where are my notes? Um, so basically that, that kind of takes us to the Venus rebirth weekend really. Yeah. Um, so let's get, let's get on over there with Venus. Let's, um, let's have a Venus so, baby. It's have a Venus baby. <laughs> so, uh, August 13th, which is going to be a, a Sunday. Um, yeah, my I'm excited about here. this too. Yeah, I, I know. I'm excited this about right this. right on my ascendant. Like, uh, oh, pretty much conjunct you, my ascendant. <laughs> I know. And it's to conjunct my midheaven. So, nice. um, yeah, we're both, we're both going to be experiencing this angular world as well. Yeah. Um, Spencer and I are going to have to trade notes after, after this, but totally. so this is what's basically happening is that the sun, and this is where Chiron comes back in the story, right? So Chiron, um, on that Saturday, I believe. Yeah. So Saturday, the 12th, so the sun trines Chiron. Then on the Sunday, we have that, 
you know, Venus inferior Kazemi and she's the closest to the earth, right? We can't see her because she's, right. you know, in the heart of the sun. Um, but she's very close to us proximity wise. And then on Monday, uh, the 14th, Venus then trines Chiron. So we have this flow with Chironic energy while she's being rebirthed uh, into the flames and the heart of the sun. So what, I mean, what are your, what are your takes on, uh, and I will say this is all leading up to the sun squaring Uranus too. So the sun is going to come around and take Venus's place with that square to Uranus. So just FYI. So that I guess we're seeing this bigger. It's not just the weekend. We're seeing, um, you know, when did Venus actually square uh, Uranus was um, kind of like Wednesday, August 9th, Wednesday. So basically August 9th through um, that Wednesday through August 14th, Monday, we have this Venus, Sun, Uranus, Chiron story going on. Um, well, I think, you know, we can also think of it in context of the planet, the, the houses that Venus rules as uh, getting a new start as well. Because mm, yeah. not, not only might we get some illumination on what we really love or what we're willing to defend, our values that we're willing to defend, um, we also may be getting a new start in the Libra and Taurus area of our charts because Venus is going to be providing resources for them in the guest host relationship that we see in Hellenistic astrology. So I would also pay attention to those two topical houses in your life. Um, because they could really get a, a boost of energy uh, as Venus is kind of, as all the dross is like burned away. Like this is sort of the, the metaphors that you see is, is a planet going into a furnace and burning away all the stuff. And then it's like purified. So it's a purification process. So you might, some of the things that might've been holding you back in the, you know, in the Libra and Taurus area of your life may get a, a new start as well. Um, Chiron, trine, I mean, I think that part of this could be talking about, you know, Chiron is a is a, a wound that is difficult to heal, where you may have some knowledge and wisdom uh, that you can share with others, but it may be a blind spot that you have yourself. It's also a healer and a musician and things of that nature. So I think that giving yourself some grace around, you know, beating yourself up, I think is a good thing to do around Chiron in this position that this is at the degree of exaltation of the sun too. So there's another interesting tie-in second decan of Aries is really about Royal decrees. It's, it's saying I've, I've separated from the collective and now I'm going to establish who I am. And there may be some hesitation around this period of time to say, oh, I, I really want this. There might be like a desire to say, no, this is what I really want. So this trine position might be uh, helping us to be able to express what we, what we truly want that maybe we felt a little guilt around and we're like, oh, well, that was selfish or something. But, but it might actually just be a, a truer expression of who we are personally. Yeah, well, I, I think so. Because uh, that Chiron piece is just, has just been coming in uh, and I've been feeling it, right? You know, like around well especially around value and worth you know that venus is bringing up um that we've talked about but sort of like owning that and taking action on that and being bold and brave with right. with that um i had an interesting moment with uh around my birthday right because i was like 
you know, sometimes the Capricorn moon energy and uh, various other things that are going on in my chart, I can be like, you know, devalue um, what I got going on or, or not accurately be able to display that or assess that. Um, and I was, I, I had already been experiencing some things that day. And this is actually when Mercury was squaring Chiron. Uh, I believe Venus was pretty close to the trine. I'd have to go back and look, but so I got my Chiron lesson, right? Because I had an interesting period of the day where like I got a birthday present for my mom. I'm in a moon Capricorn moon perfection year now and got a birthday present for my mom. My mom always gives me this certain amount of money, right? Well, she gave me less this year. And I was like, I was like, excuse me, what, what is that? What is this? Um, but you know, it's not all about money or anything like that, but it had, it took me aback. I was like, oh, well now I'm valued at a little bit less. Well, even though and, I know I'm not, but so that, this is the, like the yeah, building story. So, yeah, okay. and then same, there was some things that came up where, um, you know, she was supposed to send me something, but she sent it to my cousin instead of me. And she's like, no, you can wait. And I was like, well, why do mm-hmm. I wait? You're already at the post office. Like it was like, so it was all these things where it felt like my worth was sort of like devalued in some way, or sure. I didn't deserve it. So I was, um, working a, a tarot shift, uh, that I, that I do a couple times a week. And I was read tarot for this influencer, uh, and a couple of her people that she was with. Nice. And then at the end of it, she just hands me her Venmo and she puts in, she goes, put in whatever you want. She's like, whatever you want. And I'm looking at her. All these people are looking at me. There's like a party's going on. Like they're like young. And I've just had this moment where I was confronted (laughs) with taking action on the, on the value. That was a lot of pressure. (laughs) And you know, the, the readings cost a certain amount of money. And I I was like, this is usually a good tip. So I just put that in, but I walked away going, you know what? I cheated myself. Cause that was yeah. a, that was an opportunity right there. Um, but I undervalued, uh, or I, I took the value that I already had, even though the universe was like, here, name your price. You know, right. she doesn't right. care. She's had tons of money and she's like, just do it, you know? Um, and, and so I had that moment that was my Chiron, but I was like, you know what? That moment, that was a lot of pressure and pr- brought me to a crisis moment of my own trigger, my own wounding. No matter money I could have put in at that time would have been more valuable than the lesson sure. that came out of that irritation and tension and that disrupt within me to get to that point of wisdom uh, of value and like feeling more attuned to that. So I'm just sharing this story with other people. You know, it's like a little bit of a vulnerable story, no, but I... the you know these things can come up um, that might have sort of these uh, you know, be, have this moment of resolve or this fresh start or this rebirth that comes around some of your own Chiron and Aries story that might have been taking place. Yeah. And I think, you know, just the thing that was coming up with the story, the part of it with your mom, you know, it might've been not even just about how she values you or not. It might've been just, maybe she just didn't have as much money at that moment, you know, like parents are getting older, you know? Oh yeah. Exactly. And I came to those, I came to those terms, but you know, you look at it right away and you're just like, Oh, Oh, I hear that. It's a visceral visceral reaction. (laughs) Yeah. The visceral reaction, um, to, to that. Uh, and so, but then it all came, but she mailed me the thing that I would, that's a whole longer story in (laughs) in itself that has to do with family um, dynamics are tough, you know, yeah, family dynamics are tough, but I don't know what I would have done in that moment. You know, exactly. How many, 
And a lot of people, what would you do? You know, like you're, and I was like, but, but what it came down to is I was asking her to name my value. Cause I'm like, no, you just put it in. But she was like, no, you, you put, I don't got time for that here. Take, take this blank check, put in whatever you want. I guess my, my first thought that comes up is how inebriated was she? Yeah. (laughs) Like if you said it was a party, right? Like, yeah. Was there she was, like was she like super? Because that sounds like the action of a of a drunk person of like yeah, name, well, name yes. your price. She I'm, wasn't I'm yeah. good for she, it. I mean, she wasn't crazy. <laughs> like it wasn't crazy, but she had yeah. she had a few. They have okay. champagne towers there, so <laughs> okay, she was okay. do, she was she was doing a so, champagne tower and cake. Um, I, I think <laughs> that you may have done maybe the right. thing. I did the right thing. Yeah, I did the because right thing. because maybe when that influencer, I don't know what they do, but when they wake up the next day and you've put in like you know, a, a yeah. large oh, figure. They were like, what the hell did I do? You know, so. But it was more about that. It, it doesn't yeah. even matter about the money. It was like what yeah. it was triggering inside of me yeah, at that particular a, a time. Yeah. That was the thing. So anyways, I'm just sharing that. I'm sharing that vulnerable moment with myself because, uh, you know, these are, that's, that's Chiron at work. Yeah, right. Totally, you get triggered. Totally. You get, you, you know, it brings you somewhere, um, especially with, in Aries. It gets you irritated, gets you hot under the collar um, and it gets you maybe feeling in crisis mode, you know, where you, you're just assumed ab- with that or um, consumed with that. But there's the wisdom. There's the yeah. wisdom that's so valuable on the other side of it. You, you know, my, my uh, experience with that type of thing recently is just that as far as assigning value, I've been, you know, going through a situation where my responsibilities have shifted and it's encouraged me to say, well, maybe I can expand what I had, what vision I had of what was possible for my value. And I think that if we're responding to, you know, not just internal stimuli, but external stimuli, let's say you have, there's a reason for you to increase your ability to be a channel for abundance because you want to be able to do this specific thing that is of value to you. Like maybe you have a family member that you're responsible for. Maybe you have extra bills that are coming. Like those are just things where being able to meet the moment, I think is part of that also and say, well, it's not just about what do I want and all. Because when we start assigning dollar figures to ourselves and our characters, right. I think we're off path. You know, yeah. I don't think that's the, the, the real exactly. thing. I think it's more like, do do we want to allow ourselves to be able to have the 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 life that is? Do we feel worthy? You know, of having happiness, and happiness can mean a lot of different things. Wealth means a lot of different things too. To, to me. I've always been a big proponent of being time wealthy, being health wealthy. And I've made some decisions in the recent past that were in favor of my mental health, where I had to let some things go financially that were bringing me a lot of stress. And that has thus encouraged me to make different choices to be able to fill in that that financial gap that are more in support of my mental health. So like I can say now that Oh, well, I feel passionate about expanding my wealth because not only am I creating space for to, to make more money or something like that, but I'm also creating space for me to do it in a way that is going to accentuate my mental and physical health moving forward. Mm. And that, that I think is a, the right balance to, to, to take with that because sometimes you'll be offered 
uh, you know, money and you're like, well, am I worth it? And what are the, what's the cost of taking that gift? Yeah. Like if you had take, let's say you had taken a, a larger piece, maybe there would have been a cost later of the hassle of that person sobering up and you know, <laughs> being angry about well, it. So who knows? Maybe you saved yourself, so, your mental yeah, health, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe so. so, maybe so. But you're worth it, Mel. I think but you're worth I it. I know <laughs> I'm worth it. Every penny. Um, here, here are our uh, Earth moons are talking once again. <laughs> right. um, especially Earth moons and Cancer suns, you know. There you go. Uh, just gassing <laughs> each other up. <laughs> well, and so there's something to think about here with all this that we're sharing, this rebirth moment and the sun getting to the, you know, the, the square with Uranus too and what's awakening and shaking loose. You know, we actually have the moon in Cancer at this time, right? And it's in a balsamic phase. Like this is a right. waning down, like it's very internalized with what might be shifting. It's not like out there in the open full moon. This is taking place. It's like, no, these are, these are some, you know, fundamental things that are happening on, on, on an internal level that might be wrapping up particular stories to begin this new moon that's coming that we should probably get in here too, for the sake of time, sure. um, that is going to be, uh, you know, centered around, um, this, this Uranian component, um, and Venus now starting her new cycle. Right. So basically on uh, August, uh, 16th, we have, ooh, we have uh, our new moon in Leo and of course our new moon in Leo, we got the sun in Leo. So we got this new, the sun in domicile, yeah. pretty much exactly square Uranus, <laughs> just a little bit separating, <laughs> just fun. a little bit separating there. We've got uh Mercury and Mars both in a trine to Uranus. So here, you know, this Mercury Mars story keeps, keeps on keeping on. Uh, yeah. Venus in that trying to uh, Chiron, um, but she's still combust in that position too. And I don't know if you work with uh, Lilith or not, Black Moon Lilith. Um, I mean, I don't really that much at all. Um, I don't know. I have, for some reason I have her in the chart here today, but she's hanging out right in that position too, right on that new moon. So if you are a Lilith person, um, and I think I have it set at the mean Lilith, not the true Lilith. Um, there is that component in too. So, um, what, I mean, what's your takes on, on this new moon energy? I mean, the, the Ur Ur Uranus square is speaking really loudly. Oh yeah. To me on that. So I think this could also be the beginning of another set of challenges where we're going to have to dig deep. Like I said, third deck in Leo is a lot of it is about your back is against the wall. You're going to have to dig deep for courage to, to bring something to fruition or to get out of a jam or something like that. And I, I hate to kind of circle back around to this again, but this is another point mm -hmm. where we could really see some kind of like drought or like climate issue, a, a moon cycle yeah. that could be really colored by some of those forces that are outside of our control, unfortunately, which in Venus being combust is going to probably bring us some challenges. Um, well, and the fact that we're in the dead of summer, right? You know, totally, like at least here in the Northern hemisphere, totally. we're like the getting to the hottest that it, they could possibly yeah. be. And, and you know, that's the thing too. Heat waves will also have collateral damage, like 
power outages and things yeah. like that. So those are the unexpected things that could potentially crop up around this period of time. Prepare yourself. Right? Be prepared. I, I really, I say that with all the love in my heart, like the, the more that you can be prepared for some of this without, without going too far. I don't think you have to like have a bunker in the middle of Montana or something, <laughs> but you know, but if that's your thing, that's fine. But I, I don't go to that extreme, but there's some common sense things that you can do. Like know your emergency plans. Like, you know, if you have pets, know, know where their carriers are, things like that. Like maybe have a backup power source, uh, th th things like that. Emergency food, something like that. But I'm looking also at Mars trining Uranus here, and that, that's really sticking out to me as well. Um, and Mars is hanging out in the Deccan of Virgo that is related to leaving and passing on a legacy. Mars is going to be really close to a fixed star called Alkis, which is uh, in the, the constellation Crater. So this is the cup of Apollo. So like passing on divine wisdom, like containing something. So you, this also could be about what is the legacy that you want to pass on as well, right? I think that Leo, it, the sun also represents the divine in eternity, whereas the moon sometimes in ancient Hellenistic astrology represents change in like temporal nature. So this might be a moment where you're trying to figure out what type of legacy you want to pass on, you know, what, and that, that in turn is all about what beliefs are you wanting to defend? What beliefs are you going to, to stick to? Okay. Um, but yeah, there's, there's this opposition too forming from Mars to Neptune also. Yeah. So make sure that the legacy that you're getting attached to is, uh, you know, not blinded by illusion or, or, something of that nature. Yeah. Well, it just makes me think of like all the things that we were talking about earlier about paring down, yeah. um, and that sort of release component. Um, and maybe that sort of even like tower like quality that can come with sure. the, um, the Uranian component, even though it's a Mars, you know, uh, ruled card. Um, and then also just thinking about like, if we are in certain points of crisis for whatever reason, it's like, where do we are, how able are we to like go with the flow of that? So maybe sacrifice yes. some things that were that were comforts or, you know, things that we're used to having or being compassionate to the people around us or the situation as a whole, when we're not fate, you know, coming from this point of ego and we have to like kind of deal with like these bigger things that um, are taking place. And that could be in like a natural disaster or a heat wave, but that could well, just be in like components of your daily life, and, you know? <laughs> and, and Mel, I think it's worth pointing out that you know, as astrologers and as people who follow astrology, sometimes we can see aspects and we can get a lot of anxiety around it. And I hope that what we're doing today isn't producing that because a lot of the times you will see an aspect like Mars, Uranus or something like that. And depending on if that planet is activated in your chart or not, as a time Lord, there's different techniques to activate specific planets. Yeah. You may or may not feel that the, the worst case scenario. So I think that the way to prepare for something like this when you see it is to just leave a little bit of extra space in your life, right? To be able to adjust to circumstances. Because as you and I have discussed, 
Uranus surprises you. <laughs> like it's, I mean, even as astrologers, we could like unpack some of the meaning. And then I've always looked back on some Uranus things. I was like, shit, I didn't see that coming. That, that was, like, well, you got me the nature again. of your honest, you, you know? Your honest, yeah. So it's, so I think just leaving some extra space in your life, like going slower, like the turtle suggests, like during Mars Uranus, like for example, uh, I, made sure that I gave myself extra time when, if I left the house to drive in for an errand. So I knew that I wasn't going to rush to get where I needed to go and increase the, the chances that I would have an accident. Or like I told my dad, I was like, don't, he was going to visit me during Mars Uranus. I was like, you don't have to speed here. Just, just take your time. You know, if you get backed up or something, it's not a big deal. Right. So taking extra time, giving yourself extra space, Having something in the back of your mind to, you know, saying, okay, I know that if this happens, I have this plan without getting so tense about it that you actually call in the challenge that we're talking yeah. about here, right? Yeah, so there's, it's a balance point, right? That's right. I mean, you do attract, yeah. you know, what it is you, sure. what you focus on grows, what you, mm. <laughs> um, so we don't want to attract that too being much. Being prepared is important though. I, I I'm a big well, fan of preparation. And being prepared on many different levels. It's not just right. being prepared for like when a, 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 you know, by having a generator when power goes out, right. like I've been in preparation mode recently where, cause I'm kind of a little bit late to the game, you know, good old Capricorn moon, <laughs> yeah. late, late bloomer, um, where I've been really focused on, uh, you know, investing in my, sure. you know, saving and retirement accounts and like setting up things, you know, to grow and compound interest over time, you know, like, think, and that's a different way of being prepared, right. Sure, yeah. Um, in, in life and what could be a crisis down the road if I'm not, you know, um, and building your community, you know, that's another form of wealth, right? Mm, yeah. Like, like knowing who you can talk to if you have an emergency, this is something that I, I, I agree, investing and having that kind of, you know, nest egg of support, can get you through some of the more challenging times. Um, and then like when we went through our literally a week without power, like the, there was a huge ice storm here and, the, and the, all the limbs in our neighborhood just started shedding and knocking down power lines. It was really important for us to connect with our neighbors, like, you know, and make sure that they were okay and that they checked on us and things of that nature. So I think that's another way to build resiliency during times yeah. like you know, squares with Uranus is know who your community is that you can, you know, that can help you and that you can offer to help to others as well. Yeah. So it kind of brings us to the last day of, of Leo season, which is a very lit up one, uh, <laughs> to, to be honest on, um, because yeah, well, because it's interesting because in the sun, you know, we get to, the sun's going to be flowing with the nodes uh, right after we get off that new moon, uh, which is which is nice and affirming, I think, for what's sort of going on in our lives and our own point of illumination that we were kind of talking about earlier, right? Because that's a big focus of that sun sure. and Leo. Um, but we get to uh, August twenty third. Um, well, that's when actually August twenty second. Because 23rd is when uh, it goes into uh, Virgo. But we so basically we got Venus retrograde square in Jupiter. This is this is the second square with Jupiter. Mm. We got Mars making the opposition to Neptune, who's retrograde. Right. 
But big, big, but we got Mercury who is preparing to station retrograde the next day uh, wow. when uh, the sun moves into Virgo, which is so interesting. You know, the, the sun in Leo season started with Mercury stationing retrograde. Now the sun in Virgo season starts with uh, Mercury or sun in can I say that? Mercury stationing retrograde. But what's fascinating, it just in this story, to touch on your Uranian piece, right? Because we're talking about Mars, Uranus. We're talking about, you know, the the, the solar cycle that's a, a contingent around Uranus. Sure. Well, here we have this other piece, much like the Mercury retrograde that happened in Taurus earlier in the year, where it almost met Uranus, <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> it, it stationed, it went Reform back, it did its thing, you know, um, and, and it took us a while yeah. to get to that Mercury Uranus component at the, after the end of the cycle that was able to sort of give us certain breakthroughs or like, you know, those pieces to the puzzle and that, that the storyline. Um, yeah. so there might be a, a component with this Uranian kind of awakening quality that's coming up where all the bits and pieces and the perception shifts and, you know, getting your mind wrapped around something like that might still take some time for that to flow because the exact aspect isn't quite there yet especially with mercury being ahead of the sun and you know it's in it's like it's it's almost in it's like la it's last quarter sort of balsamic phase of its synodic cycle so it's still chew it's chewing over everything that's happened uh essentially um yeah. so it's an interesting last day i guess of leo season so to speak man just think there's certain you know, structures that are up for review with that. I, you know, the one, one interesting little side note about Mercury as it prepares to go under the beams is that there's a kind of a special thing that it has when it's in Virgo called being in its chariot. So, mm -hmm. you know, ancient chariots basically had an awning that would protect it from the, the harshness of the sun, right? The, the, the driver. So Mercury is not going to be as harmed as Venus was under the beams mm. when we go into that cycle. It, we may be able to still do things behind the scenes and be functional mercurially as we head towards the Mercury Kazemi. So you can kind of take solace in that, I think, a little bit. But, but to your point of the, the there's, I believe the term is refrenation when a, pl a planet is about to aspect something, but then it yeah. turns retrograde. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're heading into a, we were heading into a point where, you know, you may have some ideas about how to make those material changes in response to evaluating what has worked and what hasn't. But th then this is a really important moment to say, okay, maybe I need to really like rethink a little bit of this. Maybe there's a plan. Maybe I don't have to scrap the entire plan, but I need to adjust a few things to it before we really start hitting the ground running. Um, you know, because it's, it's fascinating to me. Another really interesting thing as we move forward with this, you have the retrograde on the 23rd that you have there. You have it stationing, Venus stations direct on the 3rd of, of September, just as Jupiter stations retrograde on September yeah. 4th. <laughs> so it's like handing over this retrograde stuff. And I'm sure you'll talk about that in your Virgo season, but it's, it's just fascinating that there's going to be like this handing over of review to another planet. Um, as we're going through this. Yeah. Well, and especially because Venus and Mercury both are tied into Jupiter in there right. in the whole cycle. Like this, there's this bigger, you know, this bigger component that is, that is taking place. So, um, yeah, there's, it's, it's, 
It's an interesting spot to land on um, that can can be a little diffusive, can have us looking at, you know, the future of like relationships or how we're growing in ourselves and our own love and value and sense of balance and where that might be skewed in some ways too. you know, Venus and Jupiter getting together always a little, a little extra. (laughs) Um, So there's, there's that. So especially with, so I would say in the last day, you know, especially with Mercury stationing, it's like, um, don't, don't party too hardy uh, because, you know, Mercury or Mars, and Neptune and then Venus and Jupiter. Uh, it is a Tuesday after all, folks, you know, yeah. kind of <laughs> in the beginning of school and stuff like that. Like, yeah. It's just, but th- those, those fuzzy details coming in, like with Mars, Neptune oppositions for, for me, I don't, I think I've told you this on the show before, but Neptune to me, I get sort of malefic vibes in my own life. Like, especially as it's gone through Pisces this whole time, because every time a planet hits Neptune, I just lose, I just melt into a puddle onto the floor <laughs> on some level. So this might be what Mars is figuring out right, here yeah. and trying to deal with is like, we, we may just want to re- break. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Back know? to like, what you're saying earlier. Right. Just take it easy. You don't have to force things during, especially with like the, the Scorpio moon too. We might not be feeling at our best because we've just been going through a lot in August here. Oh, so we so. just hit the South Node again, right? In, <laughs> right, in, in Libra. Right. So right. yeah, might might need a breather. Might need a just a relax. Might need some vacation. Maybe some folks are on vacation. Get that one last vacation there in you before. Go. You know, well, we're back I, to business. And to bring it full circle to like the writer's strike and the actor's strike, maybe that's an opportunity to revisit some old things that we are already in existence, like. You know, maybe going back and watching an old classic movie or TV show or something that you loved in the past. I've been watching Parks and Rec recently and just rewatching that, which is sort of my comfort food show. I don't know if you have those types of things. But we all do. You know, Venus cancers do. (laughs) Right, totally. (laughs) But but Venus Retrograde might be an opportunity to like revisit old things that we loved just to maybe get a new perspective on it as well. That's, yeah. that's another kind of signification that we could really take away from this too is, you know, sometimes when we see things, we n- nostalgize, is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> we, we are nostalgic about, um, we think about the effect it had on us at a different point in our lives and seeing if things hold up as, mm. as we become adults is a really fascinating thing. One thing yeah. that I will say, just this is what's coming to my mind. One thing that does kind of hold up you know, I was revisiting Thundercats. Do you remember Thundercats? Oh, I do remember Thundercats. Like, I was watching Thundercats. I was like, this is pretty good. You know, so I can, I can get hip with this. <laughs> you know, they were doing some interesting things here. So, but some things don't hold up. And so, so, and I don't, nothing's immediately coming to mind, but um, I think it's good to be able to, to reevaluate what you love and see things from a different lens around this period of time. Mm, I love that. All right. Well, you know, I did think we, we did it? we did a treatment. So that brings us yeah. to our uh, you know, Spencer, if you had one word to describe Leo season, <sighs> what's it gonna be? Oh boy, that's a toughie. Um I think review is one that comes resilience, I think is another one. Review and resilience, resiliency. Um or 
the hill, I guess, right? The like hill, a, the, the hill. hill that you may or may not die on. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. What about you? What do you got? That's so funny. Um, well, I think that was a weird word that just popped in. It was, was truth. I like that. For some reason that, that came, that came in, like I got just the image of like sort of the, the, like the justice card and that could be all the South node we were t- talking about yeah. the Pluto yeah. position there. Oh, Venus and Jupiter, I guess. Well, I, and I think to expand upon truth is more about, could be that authenticity piece or that integrity piece more about yeah. the truth of you. Like what's you, what's your truth? Integrity um, is a good one. For yeah. This, the integrity. You know, you, you know, just, piggybacking off of that integrity to me and in my studies of the I Ching too it's it's conformity between your inner self and your outer expression and i think that that's one of the really true missions of leo as well is how can you allow yourself to be who you feel you are inside externally and have those things match up right yeah absolutely so i think we're all trying to get there we're all doing our best remember that yeah. everyone else is doing their best too. That's true. And uh, giving people grace is a super important, yeah. especially the retrograde. That's one of the words too. Grace. <laughs> right. just, how, give, how many give, words do we got ass, here? <laughs> assume positive intent and yeah. realize that other people are going through stuff and just compassion is another one I think would be good for this period of time. You know, who does the grail serve would be a great question. You know, how can you have compassion for how, what other people are going through in addition to utilizing your will to, to not only treat yourself well, but understand that other people are maybe suffering too. Yeah. I hear that. All right, Spencer, we did it. So, yeah. uh, where can people find you? What you got going on? Yeah. I'm so the main place that they can find me is Spencer where I have all sorts of links to the, my, my offerings. Um, I'm on YouTube as Spencer Michaud Astrology, and I am on Instagram, Twitter, and threads as at Spencer Michaud. Um, I have an email list you can sign up for. I always do a, I do a weekly update where I've been kind of examining, you know, I've been doing some stuff with music on there. So if you're into, mm. into music and astrology, there's some extra bonuses in there. Um, I also been doing uh, guided group studies where I do classes on various texts, like I did the flowering wand. We're doing one on tarot right now. And, and I also have some webinars for sale on my, my uh, website as well. I did a deep dive into the decans in the past year and also recently did a talk for Nightlight um, on stars and cards, which is the, the ability of utilizing tarot within astrological readings as well. Very cool. So, of course, I will share all Spencer's information over at energeticprinciples.com so you can find him and his offerings uh, and find me and my offerings because, you know, I do personal consultations and and things of that like. Um, And what I've really been working on other than... uh, you know, consultations, doing my newsletter. If you're not signed up for the heavenly wind, sign up. But what I've really been working on and Spencer let the cat out of the bag a little <laughs> bit, but the, now he, he was like, well, I said, I was going to let the, I was going to use some things, but 
Um, I have been working on a tarot deck with my good friend, Sarah Jane Lambert, who is an amazing artist. Um, so we have teamed up uh, with, uh, you know, my like concept. I'm the concept writer woman, you know, you know, and then she is just the, the illustrator extraordinaire. Um, and we have created a deck called tarot of her that is about to go to Kickstarter soon. It's a circular deck. Here's a little, a preview of strength. Beautiful there nice. uh with a for our leo season which way did we go on the cool. camera <laughs> i know i always do um, that. yeah and so this uh it's gonna be a 79 card deck um that is actually based on the um on plants and mother earth right we so we have it. suits that are uh aligned with the plant life uh where the blooms uh are the fire right because the fire of a plant is in its flower its bloom we have stems as the cups because that's the water of the plant uh we have leaves as our swords or our air suit because that is where the air uh filters in and out of the of the plant um and the plant protects itself from the wind through the whistling of the the leaves and then of course the roots which are the earth component um so we are going to be kickstarting that soon which i'm very excited about so i'm putting it all putting it all together as we speak so stay tuned for that and so if you're a tarot person um you're not going to want to miss it it's going to be pretty special so that's our that's our cat out of the bag i love i love the uh, you know the process of creating a deck, just observing it. You know, I haven't done so myself, but it's you really get into depth with those images, don't you? Oh yeah, it took there. We've been talking about it for well over a decade. We've been working on it for almost three years now, so it's been a long time coming, and we are finally at the 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 point of manifestation. You know, there's nice. that Taurus energy, the Leo Taurus energy, right? It's rising up. It's about time here. So, nice. uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you can come on down to energeticprinciples.com. You can find me on energetic principles at Instagram and I'll be sharing more of this. Um, and I do have a mailing list for the card deck that I need to get up and running. So you can look for that too. Uh, it's already going, but I need to put it on my link tree, et cetera, et cetera. I would, I would be remiss not to mention that I am running a sale on Leo Deccan's oh. webinar for Leo season. So, yeah. you know, in alignment with Jupiter and Taurus and the generosity part. So I hope that that will help. So if you're interested in learning more about tarot, that's on sale for the entirety of Leo season also. And Spencer's webinars were great on the, um, I'm just thorough. You're not going to want to miss them. So it is a, it is a good deal. Get in there. Find out more about Leo. Cause there's a lot, there's always lots to learn, right? When's your, when's your Kickstarter launching? Well, that's what I'm figuring out right now because, okay. you know, I had, I had dates that we moved past, you know, cause you know, things take time, yeah. turtle things no, take totally. time. So, you know, given the current astrology as, as astrologers do, I'm trying to find that perfect date. Where's wow. the perfect launch let, given let everything know. that's going on. Let me know and I'll try to help boost that signal for you. Too. I, I appreciate it. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. 
So, all right. Well, if you liked what you heard here today, you know, uh, spread the good word, uh, share the podcast with a friend, leave a review wherever you're listening to this. If you're listening uh, through podcast channels, if you're watching here on YouTube, leave a comment below. Tell us what you think Leo season is going to be like, what your take is on sort of the Leo Taurus dynamic or Venus retrograde or just anything that we talked about. We'd love to hear more about what you're experiencing uh, and what you think. Um, and praise, of course, you know, our, our Leo planets. <laughs> but not like we're looking for validation or anything it's not like that just hand us your venmo (laughs) tell us to type in a number (laughs) oh my goodness so uh all right um well i think that's it well spencer you know it's always such a pleasure to host you on the podcast thank you for joining me again oh thanks for inviting me it's always it's always a a fun experience and um i really enjoy talking with you now so thank you thanks again for having me all right. And we enjoy we enjoy speaking to you. So hopefully you are uh, living it up th- out there in summer season. Well, I guess if you're here in northern the northern hemisphere or living it up wherever you are, right? Because Leo season is about to begin. Um, so good luck, everyone. And as always, may the stars be with you.